You've heard us talk about it for months, but it's finally here. We have restructured our Patreon. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv uh, and check out the different ways you can help support this show and this network, especially under the new scheme that we are doing with WAF kind of going to a more frequent schedule. Uh, we have all kinds of rewards. The $5 tier gets you two extra episodes of Adric Suffering uh, each month. Uh, you can guest on uh, a couple of shows. You can guest on Abject Suffering or guest on this show. More options for dictating uh, games that we will play on this show, much like uh, happened with this episode. Um, all of that and more can be found at duckfeed.tv slash Patreon. Thank you so much to everybody who is back so far. Thank you to everybody who is considering taking a look over there. Uh, it really, really does make a difference. Otacon, what are you doing? I'm making it so people who hear this podcast think that a nerd's phone is ringing. Ugh, you're gonna get me caught. You're going to need to learn about memes someday, Snake. They might get you killed. Wait, why is that guard 30 feet tall? Is this a VR simulation? I've never been... never been clear on that. Wait, uh, uh. Please, no stepping. Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs at his Games Club podcast. Yes, and this week we are talking about the first portion of Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, which is a stealth game developed and published by Konami for the PlayStation 2 in 2001. Yeah, this is, uh, and this is our second executive produced game in a row. Yeah. Uh, this one requested by Zachary Dean. Thank you, Zachary. Thank you, yes, uh, for your support and for uh, uh, getting us to talk about this game that people are really excited about. Although you're you're going to hear us take a little bit more critical of a uh, stance on it, so that is a that is a heads up. Yeah, just just so you know, and it's not just me. I'm I'm vocal about being cranky, and Cole's less <laughs> cranky about it than I am. But I think right. that there's there's a there's a mild amount of that stuff that needs to be discussed. But yeah, um, the reason why I'm happy about that because uh, and we talked about this uh, backstage yesterday. Time mm -hmm. is meaningless, but like. Um, one of the things when, when you suggested this act or when someone suggested this, I was thinking about it. And one of the things that occurred to me was just like, this game has been talked to death, right? Like there's certain games, like we've talked about, um, doing certain games and like kind of rejected them because of that. Right. Right. You know, um, like I'm trying to think of the, the examples. I think we, early on we were, and this doesn't mean we're not going to do these games someday, mm -hmm. but I think early on we talked about Psychonauts, 
And like Psychonauts has just been kind of talked to death. Yeah, yeah. You know, like specifically Game Club to death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, Beyond Good and Evil, which is like a game we both like. Mm-hmm. Cool to do. But it's just like everything. And this is a game I really feel like everything has been said. Yes. You know, like um, there are YouTube lore videos. The the TV tropes is 10,000 pages long <laughs> and is exhaustive. There's like it links to here's a 15, you know, here's a, a literal line by line breakdown of the ending. Right. Here's a 15 part analysis of like the scene. You know, it is it is really, really analyzed. And so we're not going to do that. No, uh, I'm not interested in repeating any of that stuff. Um, I think that it's okay for us to talk about the neat kind of meta things of the, this in broad swaths. And the thing that I want us to take towards it is to look at it like as a game as well. Yes. Right. So this game is, is famous for putting forward a facade that doesn't really matter because it's kind of an illusion. Right. Like this is the, uh, you know, the, we're going to really examine the cloth that Wiley Coyote has painted a, <laughs> a, a cave on right. and see like what the cloth is made of, see if it's a good cave, <laughs> you know, what this high quality, what's the thread count on this cave, Oof. you know, you things like sure. that. You got to make sure you know, spend a third yeah. of your life in that cave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, I love that as like a, that sounds like a threat line. <laughs> You're going to spend a third of your life in this cave. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that ultra Cole deep Ross in basement cave. <laughs> Cole, Cole Ross in the cave master. Yeah. Um, this is um. Uh, so we're not going to take that uh that, that that detail of an approach, um, especially like a literary read of the end because it is so dense. It did so much new at the time. People have done that. This is not the format. Uh, but I'm kind of excited to talk about um what you actually end up doing in this game because that often gets cast aside, especially because. This is a huge breakpoint for the series in terms of tone and complexity, and I think that yes. I, th- I think that so many people end up taking time churning through that and churning through what this kind of introduces to you know the what used to be a generic kind of action movie facade, right? You know, kind of a John Woo kind of thing. So many people end up like cheering through that first that they don't end up getting to the dessert of talking about like how does it feel to shoot in this. <laughs> right, right. There there are things that are uh, interesting from a gameplay kind of perspective. And one of the things that I came up with when I was thinking about this as somebody who um, with, you know, and, and revisiting this, revisiting MGS1 for, for WAF, playing five on my own, um, playing this and stuff is kind of like it's making me feel, like see where I land in the series, which is about half and half. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like about half the things with Metal Gear in the title. I dislike about half the things with Metal Gear in the title. I've fallen off of some of those things. But one of the things that made me think about is that the facade this puts up, the kind of presentation it has, leads to the things I like on a long enough timeline. Right. You know, and the things that it actually does, the weird meta stuff, leads to MGS4. <laughs> you know, like in a very literal way, like, you know, it sets yeah. up and then Metal, and Metal Gear 4, like, explains all this stuff. But the kind of, like, you know, super, super bonkers, like, really, really verbose stuff mm-hmm. that are things that I don't really like about the series start here as well but yeah. like the actual the kind of tighter play and and more uh, uh kind of empowering play that i really like from something like five or like from peace walker yeah. also yeah. starts here yeah so like more intricate systems like a better simulation of the world like we have talked about this before when we did that sketch for the zone of the enders uh section was which was just a uh, just a waff about the metal gear solid 2 demo you know, we've talked yes. about <laughs> what really lands for that, and there will probably be a market difference in tone between that and this, because so much of the good stuff, you know, that that is present in this game is kind of expressed in that one portion of the game, which we're going to talk about again here. Um, mm-hmm. 
You know? Yeah, it, it's like somebody said, like, yo, there's like a really it's, it's a like it's a bait and switch and the bait is extremely good. Yes. You know, like the, the bait is extremely good. And I also want to talk about the ways that like like I'm not super into the uh, the the middle switch. Like, well, we'll get into it. None of this stuff makes sense. Right. Right. But maybe that's how it's supposed to be. Um, the yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into it. Yeah. But you you set up that that dichotomy, and I think that it might be important for people who are listening. Uh, people who've listened for a long time may may be able to intuit this or know it already. I I I'm generally more kind and kind of more into the verbose um, meta stuff that is introduced mm-hmm. in this in in this entry, um, and that hasn't actually changed over time. In fact, it's probably I've probably gotten more appreciative of it, um, mm-hmm. but also I'm kind of more able to criticize it um as yeah. it goes on um and i'm into the play like i think all that stuff is very good so if if there is a split between us um between gary and i that it is that relative measure of kindness that i have towards some of the yeah. bonker stuff for for sure absolutely and it should be noted like out of the two things so some of the the meta stuff like i actually you know and i've, I've said this a thousand times going into it like i like the actual switch this does i, mm-hmm. I i'm using the the fake the fakey voice you know making fun of it it's <laughs> But it, I actually do like what this game does. I like yeah. the a lot. Like mm-hmm. I like the the kind of point of this, the deconstruction nature of it. Yeah. The real like part of that you're talking about like is really the verboseness. Yeah. And that is like literal poison to me. <laughs> that that is that is torture. Yeah. Well, what it, what um, it feels like is a creator who you have a complicated relationship with. Uh, you, yeah. you you personally, Gary. Um, you know, Kojima once cut you on cut you off in traffic. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, doing a filibuster on you yes is, is, is i think what you're reacting to if i can put words in your mouth right for, for sure it's somebody and, and it's it's something where i'm not like real into a, a filibuster in general mm-hmm. you know like i don't uh you know I'm, i get to the chorus you know i've said that like a thousand times it's a, a, a gaming value i have mm-hmm. um i don't like downtime in my games like there's a pace kind of thing but there's like something to like an active pace where it's like oh i'm exploring a town now yeah it's yeah. not tense but i'm still doing something mm-hmm. or like you look at um Calf Life or Deus Ex or like this is like a, a like a full Fulbright value like mm-hmm. um you know like never take control away from the player right and Kojima is always take control away from the player yeah yeah and and it ruins pacing for me in a real serious way <laughs> yeah like I, and I and I've started feeling it too I don't know if you're if if you're kind of brushing up on me but um like I'd just be running down a hallway and I'd hear the codec bleep and I'd see oh and no like, the oh, icon's no. red and like oh yeah. god <laughs> just oh, everything no. stands like, still <laughs> like someone's gonna explain something to me and like I don't. You know, the, it's undercutting any sense of urgency yeah, yeah. the game has. And it just it's so I'm not going to I don't want anyone who's listening to this who's a big fan of this because it's a very popular game series. Right. right. Um, and I don't want anyone to just think like, OK, I'm signing up for four hours, four and a half hours of Gary complaining about that. No, I won't bring it up every time except for when it really egregiously comes up. But I just want it, you know, the court stenographer to know <laughs> that this like these games, I think it's actually a real problem how talky they are. It's like a weird joke. You know, like it's like, oh, there's a 90 minute cutscene in Metal Gear Solid 4. It's a, like, that's insane. Ha ha. No, no. Ha ha. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, there's, there's nothing to laugh about here. This is this is a really bad thing. Like <laughs> drives me nuts. Yeah. It's like a, it, 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 we should have stopped this after Xeno Gears or Xeno Saga. Seri- yeah, it's yeah. serious. It yeah. like it seriously impacts my experience. Like right. I'm like, man, like this, you know, you're you're I want to get into this. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to have the fun that is here to have. And you won't shut the fuck up <laughs> let me do it like and and one of the things about this game that makes this an interesting expression of that because i think that's true to a little bit to three two which i like a lot more right um is that uh the things here are kind of purposely kind of shitty and trite 
to Metal Gear. Right. So not only are you sitting down and watching, you know, in this episode, there's like a lot of times about a lot of backstory about like this guy who makes bombs who is like not a good character <laughs> and doesn't have any kind of import. Right. But you still spend a lot of time learning about his his backstory and his childhood and all of this stuff that just feels like eating unflavored oatmeal. Right. You know, right. like here you sit in the corner with your wheat paste and uh, <laughs> and gulp it down. Unflavored it, for me. Unflavored for me in your basement cave, in Cole's basement cave. And uh, so it uh, like <laughs> it, it, yeah. I never get madder than when that, that kind of thing happens. Yeah. Like and it, and it's yeah. probably just a fundamental difference between you and I that like this has me. I, I'm kind of thinking about taking out Metal Gear Solid 4 and installing it so I can just like play through it, you know, scene by scene, you know, yeah. like a little bit at a, at a time. You know, that like this hasn't dissuaded me from that. It's been about 10 years since I played it. It's the Metal Gear game I've played the least. Um, yeah. And I want to get that bridge and actually like use that to achieve some momentum into Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, which I've also never finished, but very much enjoy playing. And I want to. And just, that like... works for me so well. Oh, like God, Revengeance is so fun. I haven't beat it either. Like, I, I, but I played it. And it's like, this is where, like, one, the kind of craziness feels right. Uh-huh. But two, it's just like, the well, there's pace. <laughs> like, there, there, there exists pace. And then five, which we talked about a lot. Yeah. You know, like, enough to where if you, I feel like if you took the scraps of everything we talked about, you can cobble together, like, a mini waff out of it. Like, mm-hmm. five is really, really well paced, I think. Yeah. And that stuff, it, it just, it does it perfectly where that stuff is there if you want it. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, who couldn't give less of a shit about it like you don't you don't have to engage with it yeah you can just get the big beats yeah um but if you want it it's totally there for you yeah. and if like it, and if you're like me and you want to hear about master miller's quest to make the perfect hamburger then you've got it there it's in your tapes yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah you can you can listen to those tapes and the game gives you something to do while listening to the tapes which uh-huh. is like ride through the the outback on a horse which is like really kind of fun and you know looks cool you know and and, and feels cool to do yeah so like you can they they achieved it it's just this weird like passivity thing. And we talked about it um, also in uh, uh, Snatcher too. Yep. Because that has that, this kind of issue too. And it's such a, it's such a perplexing thing to me mm-hmm. with this guy. Like it just like, when we just, everyone, Oh, that's just him. You know, it's great. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm just like, no, but yeah, but, but it's, no. it's, it's worth like, criticizing. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's totally worth like it's, and it's a, it's a cliche and it just kind of comes with the universe. Like, Oh, that's just what you're getting. It's not even worth talking about. And with this episode, these episodes, I want to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's just Kojima. You can't talk about it. It's just how he is, and you have to accept it. I don't think. I don't think so. Like, I, I, I think that it's worth talking about how yeah. it actually impacts the game. Yeah, because and and, when you say, "Hey, all of this is a package deal," what that what that says is you can't actually separate the stuff that's really good, um, like yeah. the things that I did just like literally a half hour ago at the very very end of this game. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, from the stuff that is, you know, fat man or is like way too much detail from fortune, you know, I, like, you know, like, l- like Vamp should have been drowned as a baby. <laughs> like what a terrible character. They should just keep coming like, back. Yeah. Well, that'd be fine. Just leave him there. Like, like <laughs> put him on a chain, put him in the middle of the river. Like I never need to see vamp or hear vamp. Like <laughs> that was me throwing my controller down into stuff. <laughs> <laughs> vamp has got to go yeah. <laughs> vamp has so, got to go so it's like okay you, you know you, you can't just say hey you have to take everything that kojima does as part and parcel because i think that if we were able to separate and isolate the things that are really really good about it like that would actually let us appreciate him like in a deeper way and like hold him maybe to a higher standard you know as opposed to just having this diminished expectation right yeah yeah 
yeah and and you know it's a uh, it's just kind of lazy like you know criticism or just like a kind of a lazy attitude towards media which is fine you mm-hmm. know but if the idea is whenever you run into something that is challenging or uh you know frustrating out of work if you just throw your hands up and be like that's who they are yeah you know like that's just not a very examined approach right to the stuff you like and like that's fine i know people who don't like and then don't mean this as a slight who just like don't like don't like approaching things that they like critically like oh i just liked it and i don't yeah. want to think about it and that's fine but that's not that's not me and that's not our job here right it's you not know? our job so here. like you know, yeah. I, I i am i am perfectly sympathetic to just wanting to go along for the ride like yeah. that is the, the that is something i do with a tremendous amount of media you know yeah it's what i do whenever i pop in sunday fun day the ride <laughs> and i just go along with the ride it sounds really good like get get the song real good and yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll get into it, but I just wanted to set an expectation because there, this is one of those episodes where I think this will be a thing. Like some people will get really frustrated by this. Well, I'm some, not saying some, that's like some people are already frustrated by our, by our own filibuster here at the start, just like hemming and hawing about these expectations. It's worth setting because people have already talked to me about it. Yeah. People have you already know, so like, they're, they're already coming into this braced. And I hope uh, at the very least, all I can hope is that we are reasonable about it. Yeah. And, and I'm all I can promise is that I'm going to talk about my honest reactions to it, you know, and, and my honest thoughts about it. Uh, that's all I ever do. Yep. And all uh, I can promise so. you diehard Metal Gear fans is I'm going to make Gary's life a living hell <laughs> and cajole him into liking the thing we all like. Yeah. But, but uh, why, why not tell me the history of liking the thing that I like? Oh, wait, I can't leave. <laughs> you mean I can't skip it? Well, dang. <laughs> Um, you can, anywho, you can skip it. You just can't pause it. Yeah, I, I, I can't pause it. I can skip it. I can get up and go to the bathroom and it can still be going when I get back. So right, right. if I get quiet for suspicious amounts of time, it's because Cole's getting his Kojima on. <laughs> we, we, we got some Kojima going on. <laughs> that, that's way more me than, than Cole on the podcast. Like I, I talk more than you do. Um, so the self cell phone. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Um, so this is a follow up to the first Metal Gear Solid um, where Metal Gear walking tanks have become commonplace and you are trying to stop this terrorist organization that has kidnapped the president of the United States as part of this incomprehensible ploy uh, for something. Yeah, I mean, we, we should say that, like this, this game is very old, like we're going to spoil it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we won't talk about the big spoilers that much in this episode, but we will talk about them because it ends up being the answer to certain questions. Yes. You know, uh, that, that we have. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So like uh, metal gear solid one, uh, sons of Liberty is primarily played from top down perspective. Um, there, this changes more. It is not a fixed camera, right. uh, you know, the same way. So it kind of depends, but mostly it is from a top down perspective. Right. Um, and just like metal gear solid, you are mostly trying to accomplish your objectives, uh, without being detected. Um, and along with that top-down perspective, this is kind of the last entry in the series where you can really rely on your radar. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you could kind of play this just looking at the upper right-hand side of the screen if that is on, seeing enemy positions, seeing the layout of the, layout of the stage and their view cones. Um, and that, I think, is partially because um, these stages are incredibly blocky and geometrically designed, whereas after this, they would go into kind of more organic spaces. Yeah, and more open areas. Yes, which is that really impacts. Um, you know, I'm going to get into to do a bummer section when we start talking about this game's approach to stealth. And I think that the more open in a Metal Gear Solid game is, the better it is at stealth. Yes, uh, for specific reasons why. So this is, um, but this is still very much in that corridor and room. 
kind of version yes. of it. Um, so it uses this kind of more powerful PlayStation 2 hardware um, or to make first person looking and aiming um, kind of a staple of the moment to moment gameplay and intersect with certain kind of puzzles. Yes. And the like uh, puzzles, boss fights. Like they really lean on the fact that you can go into first person whenever you like. Yes. Um, it's not as fluid as you would like it to be. And in general, the controls in this game are not as fluid as I would like having played a lot of modern games at the time. It wasn't really a problem because I was more kind of indoctrinated into the regular metal gear way of doing things, going into first person and not being able to move, just kind of being pinned, um, is a bit of a bummer. You feel so disempowered, uh, when you, when you end up doing that, especially when they ask you to do it, um, either, you know, to detect things that the top down camera will not show you and then boom, you're, you're spotted because you're not moving. Um, or, uh, you are trying to take more precise aim in a combat situation. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty clunky. Yeah. You know, in, in general, the, the, uh, the controls are very clunky. You, you had a good, um, metaphor for it. Oh we yeah. We, yeah. We were talking about it yesterday. Um, so they add a tremendous amount of complexity to what they're asking you to do. Um, and you know, like even the most kind of basic maneuvers require you sometimes to hold down multiple buttons and press them in particular orders. It's a little bit like you're piloting your character, like they're a mech. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, probably that's probably on purpose though, because of, <laughs> uh, you know, that that's the, 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 that's the justification. Yeah. Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, the TV tropes is made up 90% it's, of it's intentional, therefore unassailable. Yes. Yeah. Intentionality <laughs> equals quality, um, in all things. The, um, so the uh yeah so like if you're aiming in first person and you want to not shoot mm-hmm. you know so that requires um going like doing the button order of going out of you know first person first unequipping your weapon and re-equipping it yeah you know to, and, and not pressing the uh the button or going out of your thing unequipping your weapon taking your finger off of the shoot button mm-hmm. re-equipping it so it's a four button thing to like yeah. not shoot or if you're on um, a playstation 2 or a playstation 3 gently letting off of the fire button because those buttons are pressure sensitive uh, yeah but not in such a way that you can be sure that your actual physical movement will uh translate into what you intend to do yes and and it's it's one of those things and and never worse than than laying down I was, you know, I've been joking about it for a while on Twitter because I'm playing a Metal Gear game again. But how often you accidentally lay down, <laughs> and it's such an intentional movement. Like you get down really slowly. It's not like you fall, mm-hmm. um, but it happens on accident all the time. Way more than I do in real life. Like, yeah. Where I just accidentally decide to recline on the floor, <laughs> and I um, lay down a lot. <laughs> I lay. I spend most of my life laying down. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm gonna spend one third of my life in this cave. Um, <laughs> so it's a. Uh, and it, it it has an impact, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not just something you have to get used to. So like there are many situations in which you are on your knees, pressed up against a the wall. They throw a grenade. You have to remember to stand up before you move, because if you move, you will lay down on top of the grenade like you're trying to protect your commanding <laughs> trying officer. To save your squad yes. <laughs> like you're trying to you're trying to save the enemy. Like, no, it's too close space. You don't want to throw that. I'll, I'll save you. Yeah. <laughs> and the, it's. It's really perplexing to me. Mm-hmm. And it took me um, – I was having such a bad time. Like I would say the curve for me getting used to it and feeling like really good with with the controls was north of an hour. Yeah. Like, you know, and maybe even more than that. And that's with like north of an hour of like playtime. That's not counting like replays and stuff from right. like getting caught, which we'll get into when we start talking about the stealth because that's um, a bone I have to pick with this. But like mm-hmm. – the uh that little like how to lay down not being able to crouch move yeah thing is just a huge deal and yeah. they can figure it out like it gets figured out later yeah it's just them not knowing how to do it you run into a little bit of like mario 64 
Ocarina of Time. Like they didn't really know how to control this kind of complicated avatar, right? Uh, in 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 3D, you know, like this. Yeah. Um, the counter to that is, oh, it's predictable, and you just have to learn it. Uh, but predictable yeah. and clunky can coexist. You know, yeah, clunky and, doesn't mean all, all video games controls are predictable. Like right. if if you do, it's deterministic. If you do the same thing and something different happens, like <laughs> you're not playing a video game, like you're playing a slot machine or, you know, you're rolling some dice. Like it's always predictable. You know, you always just have to learn it. It's just how many steps is it to learn it and how counterintuitive is the yeah, learning process. Yeah. Um, you it's, know? Uh, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, their first impression of this and the one that they've carried forward is coming from Metal Gear Solid 1 to this. Uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, I think the extra stuff you could do is a little bit freeing. Um, going backwards, you know, the most recent Metal Gear game that I've played, uh, yeah, no, uh, the, the most recent Metal Gear uh, game that I played was 5. Um, mm -hmm. Going back from that to this uh, is is a real splash of cold water. I think so, too. Yeah. You know, and it just, even at the time, like, it was still clunky and take a long time to get used to, but it's just something, and that's not really something you can consider when you think about this game in its time, right? Like, mm -hmm. And it's time like it was a little clunky, but it, it was freeing, like you said, and there wasn't anything better. It does make revisiting it. It makes the experience like kind of worse. And like yeah. that has kind of like uh, added up to like kind of my general thoughts on this was like this game is like way better to read about and look back on than to experience yeah. through play. You know, like go back and play three, go back and read about two and talk about it. <laughs> right. Because you know, um, the actual play is is no great shakes yeah. to me. Yeah, and, and don't get it twisted. Both of us got used to it again. Um, yeah. But it took longer than we wanted, and it did kind of color our perception of the game. You know? Yes. Like, and it's a bummer because the opening is is one of the best parts of the game, and I didn't have that feeling of, like, kind of mastery that I wanted. Right. Right. Yeah. And then when you when you switch characters on the chapter switch, um, it feels like a lot of that muscle memory goes away because Raiden does move differently. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's more svelte. And stuff. And then you also have to watch all the tutorials again, which leans into that. Or like he just tells you how to do everything again, which I get there's reason for it, but I still have to set through it again, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this kind of expanded move set plays into guard behavior being a little bit more intricate. Yeah. Uh this stuff um, is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 good, uh, even though it leans into we'll talk about kind of general stealth stuff here in a second, which I, I've got a problem with. But like yeah. the actual the way the guards act uh is better because before this they were more or less Pac-Man ghost. <laughs> you know, because it was it's strictly from overhead um, and it was just about them being in hallways and you not being in the same hallway. Right. Um, now they, they're a little bit more active. Um, if they spot you, uh, they'll either attempt to subdue you or run a, you know around a corner or something. So they can call for help. Right. Um, you can also hold them up now um, if you point a gun at their head um, without them seeing you or, 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 uh, or their dick. Yeah, or their dick. Yeah, or their yeah. dick. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can also shoot their radio, which I've never managed to do. Yeah. Like, I know it's a cool, like a cool move. And I've always read that as trivia, but like, I never end up doing that. Um, if you can disable them before the alert happens, they won't, they won't actually be able to send off the alert. Yep. Um, sometimes if you take out guys, you're disincentivized because they have check-ins, um, et cetera. Nothing so, uh, here. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fine. It's usually, that's because they found four people sleeping and they're like, everything's <laughs> fine. Like everyone decided to take a collective Aww. nap. 
they wake up one guy and they're like, it's nothing. We kicked him. It's good. I just, I just love the, uh, I love the idea of these terrorists breaking into the compound and then just painting shapes on the floor. This green yeah. triangle's mine. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my nap mat. Can I have the juice ocelot? <laughs> juice ocelot was his original name. Yeah, that's when he when he uh, in Metal Gear Six where he plays. Yeah, oh, yeah. He had a he had a bartender's ball. gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great, um, grapefruit the, uh, okay yeah. <laughs> um we only have rc rc the royal crown cola um yeah so the uh, uh they have more sophisticated behavior in general yes um and they will work together as well like we said we have they, they have those callbacks uh they will try and flank you um just in general they are a little bit more a little bit more intelligent however that doesn't get down to like if you if they just kind of you know see you out of the corner of their, of their eye they'll walk 10 feet in your direction and say oh must have been nothing and then walk yes. away like all of those kind of unintentionally hilarious moments where the you know where the system kind of breaks apart um are still present again because we yeah. are not to you know it'll be it'll be 14 years before we get to metal gear solid 5 level of kind of guard behavior but it's here yeah and it's a big step compared to uh, metal gear solid 1 yeah. Um, and for the most part, you're equipped to deal with it. Yeah. Right. So like being able to look around corners and stuff in first person, you do see a wider field of view in this. And it generally feels pretty fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as avoiding. Yeah. Uh, corpses stick around um, or um, subdued bodies, you know, you guys who are having sleepy times. Uh, and so this introduces the, you know, the ability to uh, not just kind of move a body out of the way, but also to like hide it in a locker uh, you yes. know, but you need to make sure that there's no like blood trailing, um, yeah. things like that. So there's, you know, some systemic stuff you have to take, you have to take into account, um, that is pretty cool. Even though the basic, the basic aspect of stealth is no great shakes, especially compared to a lot of stuff that would come later. And one of the things I was, uh, you know, one of my bones to pick with this, this is for our stealth is that this aspect of hiding bodies and stuff ends up actually being pretty underutilized yeah. uh, in this game because areas are so, um, segmented. Mm-hmm. Like in a room, you know, nobody, a guard will never actually like leave one of the struts and come in from a totally different area unless that alert is called. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, you know, if there are two guys in a room, you know, and I think that like usually it's like, you know, tops out at like three or four total in a, in a large area. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take out one of them, the other, and he's nowhere near the other one's patrol, you're fine. Right. Like leave him in a corner, it, you know, leave him out in open. It doesn't matter. It feels cool to hide them. Um, and there are a couple of very small situations in which it's useful, but you don't almost never have to. Right. You know, it's just like a, it's almost like an Easter egg to me. Um, just a bit. It's more of a it's more of a factor in the tanker um, than than any place else, I think. Yeah, because yeah. it's not quite as segmented. Right. Um, um, you know, whereas the big shell is is quite literally a, <laughs> a series of interconnected rooms. Right. Right. So if you go through and just leave five corpses in this room full of conveyor belts. You just leave that room and nobody does a check in. There's no yep. there's no kind of persistence or a no consequence. wandering enemies. Yeah. Right. Right. There's no there's no consequence for the thing that you that you do once you cross the threshold. Yes. And that, that uh, eliminates alerts um, when eventually you uh, will go back to that room and everything will be reset. All those people will be come back to life more or less or refill with guards. Right. Um, otherwise, the only sane thing to do would be to murder every last one of these motherfuckers because you're going to backtrack so much. Right. In this game, like you would want them to be empty so you could do it, but that just doesn't work. Like they come back. So like that hiding element, like it's kind of cool. You almost never need to do it. Right. Um, one of the uh, real quick, you know, before we we get into 
the kind of greater greater stealth loop. You talked about blood trails. Um, so this game introduces a non-lethal playthrough. Yeah. Um, so it's not just like choking guys out and avoiding them. You can also shoot them with darts. Um, this is pretty great. Like, I, I like that you can put people to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of these games, it's a more effective weapon, actually, than the gun. Yep. Because if you hit them, if you miss, you don't get a headshot, um, it doesn't instantly alert everyone. Mm-hmm. They just say, what was that? And then eventually fall asleep. Right. So, um, and it's also good for, like, flavor reasons if you decide you don't want to kill kill anybody. Yeah, especially because, you know, since this is a Metal Gear game, I will hold your kills against you. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, or I mean, at, it, at least it, narratively. It, it, yeah, narr- narratively or also just in the ranking, you know, so if that's something, you know, that arcadey aspect that the series has always kind of had. Yeah. You know, if like, yeah. oh, I could do this again and do less saves and quicker time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the so, so the trade-off is death is forever. Um, however, uh, knocking somebody out um, by punching them or by shooting them with tranks is uh, temporary. And when they wake up, they'll, they'll, they'll call for guards or they'll call for uh, yeah. support. But you won't be there. Right. So again, because of that kind of segmented level, that this is like a whole kind of complicated system that ends up not mattering mm-hmm. because you'll you'll be long gone. There's no reason for you to stick around in the, these level these stages that are so small for that long. Right. You know, and even if you do shoot people and kill them, they do come back eventually. Mm-hmm. They get replaced with other guards from the unending guard pile. Yeah. Um. The uh. So, but this is a positive thing, and you can see this as an arc towards three, where they actually not they reward it mechanically as well as kind of narratively yeah especially and like three is much stronger oh, about three, rewarding non-lethal three is so much stronger you get items for doing it in boss fights uh it is substantially harder in boss fights to do it mm-hmm. um yeah it is uh it's, it's pretty great like one encounter is actually obviated by uh by, by doing it in three like three hand like we'll, we'll we'll pick up this baton and run with it yeah three yeah. i like three so much better i haven't revisited it but i'm just like it, you know, it's, so it, there's a little it, bit of fear, control, but I its controls are so rough, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. Like, and just going into the the camo menu over uh, and over, like, why isn't this game ported into the Wii U? <laughs> like, I, I need like a screen that I can always just click what camo I want. You know, you can, you can play on the 3DS. For this. Yeah, 3DS. I need a I need a VMU, I need a Dreamcast <laughs> port of this. Um, but three, at the very least, like does that much better. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the approach to stealth and how it got better in Metal Gear games. Uh, here yes Um, because right now it's still pretty basic you know you are watching guard patterns you know trying to move when they're looking away staying still and hidden when they're looking toward you if they spot you you know they alert and we talked about how that's complicated and while alert is up your radar doesn't work and they send more people after you and you have to either run or hide until the heat dies down and they lose interest and i I think this this approach this kind of philosophy uh towards stealth in early Metal Gear games, I mean, when I say early, I really just mean one and two because three is a much more open world. Um, conflicts with the confined environments in a way that, like, really fr- is really frustrating to me. You have so because, few options of how to deal with this. So, yeah, and you have so few options. And I've talked about, like, something I've said, like, a thousand times on the show is that, like, a stealth game is as good as it is fun to get caught. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm not going to not get caught. Right. I just, you know, I try not to. I'm okay at stealth games, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm not perfect. Yeah. Um, this takes kind of my least favorite approach to it, which is like an instant start over. That sucks. This is go hide in a locker and wait for a <laughs> long time. Like those meters take a very long time to to roll down. You get the caution meter, which is this interstitial yellow light thing that they where there are just additional guard patrols mm-hmm. uh, that you have. So all told, all your meters are a couple minutes. Right. And the first time this happens, there's a little bit of like, I'm in a locker. I wonder if they'll catch me kind of tension. Mm-hmm. Um. The second time it happens, it's a little less cute. 
by the third time I'm like pulling out my hair and I just, I'm like, <laughs> why don't you just make me start over? Cause you know, and then you get to big shell and you just run to another area and it obviates it completely. Mm-hmm. The alert goes away. So like, this is, I, I don't like this approach to stealth, like punishing me by wasting my time. Um, and having it be kind of, you know, you don't really fight back. Right. Like you could like pull out your AK and shoot. Right. You but know, they're when you're going to send more and more people after you, their behavior yeah. is not going to change. They don't want you to do that. It's, it's like Grand Theft Auto, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, the alert just keeps going up, which is reasonable, right? Like they're not just going to be like, oh, there's a guy with a machine gun. Let's stop sending yeah. people at him and let him interfere with our plans. But it's just not like particularly fun mm-hmm. to me. Like it's never fun to get caught. And that makes the approach to stealth weaker to me. Yeah. Um, because the uh, first of all, like, you know, you, you have you're pretty empowered to avoid getting caught. Once you get caught, it, it feels like. It's not a game over, but it, it's a game over for my fun. Like, <laughs> well, this is this is just this is lame. This is my day now. And and you look at a game. Um, you look at even MGS three, but you look at other uh, stealth games. Like you look at um, with, specifically they have bigger, less constrained levels. Mm-hmm. So you look at your thieves and your dishonoreds, and uh, you know MGS three even or MGS five. Mm-hmm. You get caught. You can run away and approach from a new angle. You can go play. Like you can go do other things like okay i lost that guard now i'm in this section of this castle and thief what do i do here right you know i'll go back to that again maybe from a different angle maybe i'll just give it another shot i'm not just sitting in a closet and watching a timer literally go down Mm -hmm. you know it feels it's like kind of like you know it's a little bit of that like impish you know like you know realism but also kind of play punishing the player Mm -hmm. feeling to me but it doesn't work for me and it makes me very like irritated when it happens yeah so I was playing through this and like, you know, take my half of the amulet, whatever you want. I was playing it uh, and I ended up restarting on PC so I could use save states because it's functionally identical. <laughs> like there's no difference between me reloading a save state or me running out of the strut and going back in or me running to go hide in the locker or hide under a, a desk and then coming back in. Yeah. Like I've seen the loop of, you know, not wanting to get caught. Yeah. I don't need to see it every single time, you know. Something I, I accidentally shoot rather than put away my gun, <laughs> right. you know, like especially when so many times it doesn't feel like my fault that like it's like me wrestling with the controls that gets me seen. Yeah. It um, you know, doubles down on a bad feeling. Yeah. I wasn't playing it with the benefit of save states. I was playing the HD version on PlayStation 3, um, but I did something very similar where if I was spotted and I was just not wanting to have any of it, I would just let myself get killed. Yeah, um, you know, de-equip my ration and just run into the run into the thick of it, or just jump over a ledge and into the ocean. Yeah, exactly. That's it for me. Like, well, you know, like time for me to have a watery grave. My whole planet but, needs me. Like, <laughs> the sea, under the sea. The um, yeah, I, I was doing the same thing before I quit because it's so unfun to like deal with the gameplay loop of getting caught in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like kind of realistic, but it's super not fun. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, eventually like this, it would get fixed, right? Like it's, it's a, it's an early approach to stealth in Metal Gear, but later like getting caught in five is sublime. Like <laughs> it is, it's like some of the most fun you can have in that game. Yeah. You know, like toss down a, a stun grenade, run away. Like, uh Oh, there's a guy in this house I ran into for cover. Mm-hmm. He hasn't seen me just yet though, because he's got, you know, headphones on, he's on the radio, <laughs> you know, come up, choke him put him in a thing you know like it it's you're doing stuff yeah you know and and that makes a big difference i think so like making this fun was a process but we are so very early on in that process with yeah. this particular game there are seeds of good ideas there are seeds of interesting complications but it is just not there yet and so if people yeah. are t- pulling their hair out that we're comparing this to games that came later 
understand that we know we are considering it in the context of its day, but also the most recent game we have played has been five, which again did that so much better, you know? Part of the reason why we do that, you know, one of the ideas of the show is to see how games have changed, like the exceed, the kind of, uh, and this is, this is one of those things. And it, it's worth bringing up now and in comparison is because like one, it's not, you know, initially I thought like, oh, this is part of the philosophy of stealth and Metal Gear. Right. It's really not. It was just a, they were on a continuum and they weren't there yet. Right. But two, I think it contributes to this, like not being a super fun game to play. Right. Like it's all right. Like I, I'm squeezing some fun out of it now that I'm past the control hump. But like mm-hmm. it's very hard for me to recommend revisiting this um, as opposed to games that play better. And instead, just like, again, you know, read about it. Like watch the 17 part line by line breakdown about the cool parts mm-hmm. and then move on with your life and play a game that has more fun in your hands. Right. You know, so just just my just my take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I mean, so and, also, about, and also mine. Don't take it. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I just I'm just trying not to implicate you if people, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the uh, uh, so you mentioned throwing yourself into a water grave. Um, you can do that because the levels are a little bit more vertical. Right this time around um they were always you know they always had this kind of element to it it actually reminds me a lot of a difference between link to the past and how link to the past did verticality is mm-hmm. kind of how metal gear solid one yes there's yeah. a verticality and this is much more similar to a full 3d yes kind of um just because like moving between them is a little bit more fluid you know you can yeah. you do have like a grip meter uh that you can improve by doing pull-ups um <laughs> again mm-hmm. those kojima systems um you yes. know where like if if somebody is coming along and you have a railway, you can you can leap over, you can hide uh, by hanging off of it, and you just have to hope that somebody isn't coming up below who will see your feet dangling. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it, you leveling that up is a cool Easter egg more yeah. than I think it's useful. Oh yeah, you know by doing pull ups like and Easter eggs are like we'll talk about those a lot because a lot of those are on offer. More of those are on offer in the Tinker Chapter than anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that is to me is my favorite thing about Kojima. Like Kojima, like that is by far the thing I think is most special and cool about him. Um, and, and he's really good at it in this game. Yes. No. Um, um, so your main character in this, mm-hmm. uh, big, big point of contention. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about a specific main character because they, they swip, they swap it. Yes. Um, and the switch was not widely publicized. Um, the first trailer only shows scenes from the first chapter, which you, you play as a solid snake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, listen to the uh the uh the the, the watch over fireballs that came with the demo of board zone of the enders <laughs> uh, you can listen to us talk about the tinker chapter in which you played a solid snake yes yes yeah. um and that uh, uh you know was less of a thing in japan because it came out first in u.s mm-hmm. uh, it's remarkable to think about them even trying to keep this swaparu a secret today yeah um with a much more like disseminated games press um, even like E3 shows, I remember watching a video of like snake fighting fortune, like these big shell kind of moments where, you know, things that you did as Raiden, um, <laughs> the first mention of Raiden, there we go. Um, things that you did as Raiden, um, were portrayed as being done by, done by snake because they were interested in hiding their bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, a, it, we can't really overstate what kind of big deal this was right at the time um that plays into uh the kind of response to this and also then plays into the meta mm-hmm. um of like kind of what they're going for with this game and then plays into the larger you know thing the way i want to approach this game of like be careful what you pretend to be you are what you pretend to be <laughs> you know um it's it's pretty interesting because you know like we said you play you play a solid snake uh for the second chapter uh which is the majority of the game you play as raiden 
uh, this character who is designed to appeal uh, to female testers and to female uh, players in Japan. Um, it's interesting how the perception of him has changed because everybody hated him when Metal Gear oh, Solid yeah. Two was the only was the only option because you know you want to play a snake. Like Snake is a character we love. You know David Hayter's mm -hmm. portrayal of him is pretty good. You know all of that. So yeah, it's like, like it's iconic. Yeah, like people. There's no key for Sutherland. <laughs> that, I, that's I, that's a lie. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean it's it's great. Like I even you know even I have great affection for David Hayter's like Solid Snake. Right, like, right. He's a, he's a great character. Yeah, and and so like again playing into that meta thing and looking at the larger part of the series specifically because people didn't like Raiden and were so dissatisfied with that. Um, they made him in four and in revengeance into a character that people really, really enjoy. So going back to it, it's actually really hard to resent Raiden when you know what he's going to become. And I think even by the end of this game, Raiden becomes a much more interesting figure. Those first couple of let's let's say that first hour where you're playing as him, where I think even um uh Quentin Flynn's portrayal is a little bit more like whiny. Than they what they he, make him unlikable. They do yeah. it on purpose. Yeah. Um he like they make him very whiny. His his voice is very whiny. It's like they like pitch shifted his voice up, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they make him uh, and then they also saddle him with Rose, which is one of the most who is one of the most annoying characters in like Metal Gear history. Right. You know, like being being kind of wheedled and this, you know, there I'm sure that uh, when people responded against him early mm -hmm. on, um, there were tons of it that were like with shades of homophobia. Yeah. Right. Because he's explicitly feminine. Mm hmm. Um, that's kind of kind of his point. And then they give him a really obnoxious, naggy girlfriend. Mm -hmm. So there's like this kind of like weird sexism angle as well. And like, I hate to indulge in that, but he is like really whiny, non-capable character. Mm -hmm. um, and Rose is really annoying. Yeah. And then the Metal Gear Solid 2 Defense Squadron comes through and says, that's how it's meant to be. That was to prove <laughs> a point. And then I say, well, that's true, but I still had to sit through hours of it. So, <laughs> you know, like, yes, it's to a purpose. To a purpose does not equal good. Right. Um. So it, it's interesting to see. I also agree that he gets better. Like, I love him in Revengeance. Like, Revengeance mm -hmm. totally makes makes sense for me. Yeah. Um. But, like, Rose never has a redemption moment to me. Uh, you know, not, Rose not, gets not revealed to be an, a, like an AI, and I still don't like her. Like, <laughs> doesn't yeah. matter. R R Rose is pretty good in 4. I, I, I like okay. the role that she plays there. But, yeah. She's, yeah, maybe, you know, that, I guess that's that's the, uh, you know, I never I never finished 4. Mm -hmm. I, like, I started it, and then I read about it and watched videos about it instead and it wasn't to that specific detail but my mm -hmm. understanding is that a lot of characters get redemptions in in four yeah just because four is tasked with tying every single thing together and accounting for every single element that has been introduced over the prior specifically years. about this game too yeah where like you run into things with rose and like solidus and stuff which are kind of like undeveloped characters mm -hmm. or underdeveloped characters in this in this game yeah they are kind of uh, given the spotlight yeah um so the original concept for this game uh, kind of played off of a couple of ideas that Kojima had. Like there's this whole design doc that was released shortly after the after the game was that kind of showed that it was about it was supposed to be about uh, weapons inspections in Iran and Iraq, um, and uh, it involved snakes specifically foiling uh, liquid snakes plot um, on an aircraft character. So the villain of Metal Gear Solid One would have come back, um, and you know. Uh, that would eventually become the tanker chapter, but they changed that due to just kind of like rising problems in the Middle East. Uh, that would have been ridiculous for them to put that game out uh, in 2001 um, mm -hmm. when what they already put out was uh, pretty dicey in a way that uh, would have been impossible to foresee. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, there's actually like, and that goes further too. Yes. Yeah. 
um, specifically in the end mm-hmm. uh, of yeah. the game, the kind of end game imagery. Yeah, like they had to, you know, change this right around the time the game was about to go to master. So the game itself was released in November of 2001. You know, all of the de- development happened. They needed to send it out to be printed. Um, and 9-11 happened during that process. So they had to go in and basically just cut out a bunch of a bunch of imagery of American flags. And specifically, you know, at the end of this game wipes out large portions of Manhattan. Um, and in the Metal Gear Solid universe, 9-11 never, have to, never happened. This did. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And somebody should do um, – I'd be interested in reading, like, all the ways that game development was changed by 9-11. Yeah. Like, specifically, what imagery was removed. Um, you know, there, we talked about that in the Deus Ex episode, how that was, you know, apocryphal. Mm-hmm. As the, this, the, you know, this thing, but it's interesting to uh, to see to think about that. Yeah, yeah, it can't just be the flight simulators and that one cover of a Command and Conquer expansion. Yeah, no, no. Um, so uh, Kojima, um, you know, as he went into this game, was really kind of fascinated by the capabilities of the PS2 and spent a long time working on the environments and creating real time uh, in in engine cutscenes. Yeah, basically reveling in the ability to change things on the fly as opposed to having to compose everything and then send, send it off to be rendered yes yeah, yeah. Um, which is possible you know possibly one of the reasons why this is more you know mgs1 has a lot of talking and cutscenes in it but yeah. most of it is through dialogue yes. like most of the kind of exposition stuff there are a lot more cutscenes in this game mm-hmm. this begins the cutscene inning yes of, uh, of him <laughs> so yeah um and some of that probably had to do also um with kojima not really uh, wanting to continue with the Metal Gear series. You know, he wanted this to be his last Metal Gear game um, and then just kind of went apeshit with the development. Uh, there are stories about him just like showing up uh, at the beginning of every day and saying, hey, what's your idea? And they would take it and then just put it in because yeah. he never expected to have to wrap anything up. He never expected to be cajoled into making two and then or uh, three and then four and then ultimately, ultimately five. So that. Yeah you know, doesn't just extend to some of the ideas that he put in, but also like, hey, uh, let's fight a roller skating dude with bombs or let's use a coolant spray to get rid of roaches and hallways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's um, it shows and it shows in this game. And then it also shows in three, which if you didn't want if you did two and you didn't want to wrap everything up, it makes total sense to do a relatively self-contained prequel. Mm hmm. You know, I'm not as uh, versed in the kind of lore of the series, but is it is it accurate to say that three is the most self-contained of them? Oh, absolutely. You I know, mean, and, and and so much stronger for it to like to my mind, you yeah. know, at least like, you know, narratively and kind of what it does. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of reasons why I think three is really strong other than the, the control thing that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But like not having to deal with that lore, you could see him being like, yeah. OK, yeah, I didn't think I'd have to wrap that up. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> um, what would this, you know, let's do, let's do a, a 60s yeah. spy story. <laughs> it's like he walked up to the bat and then he point, you know, he, he pointed saying like, hey, I'm going to hit it out of the park, right field. And then just uh, the right field wall just, just moved. It was on wheels yeah. and like extended <laughs> out another mile. Like, hey, get yeah. this fucker. And then he has yeah. to go play chess. Um, yeah, he bunts. Yeah. yeah. Metal Gear Solid 3 didn't carry the weight of the stuff that came before it. Uh, he actually had a playground to just, like, set up the pieces that would show up later. So there's stuff yeah. that has connections, obviously, and, like, the connections between 3 and 4 are um, actually more than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, like, it, it is as connected to that as as, as 2 is. Um, but, um, but yeah, like the, 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 that is part of why that, that, that succeeds, especially on a story level, where I think this and 4 fall down. Yeah, and why it doesn't have as many connections to the two. 
Right. So like three to four is a strong connection. Two to three is not so strong. Right. You know, um, so it, it totally makes sense. And that's and that's, you know, a big reason why this game is interesting is because it's everything is in the, the kitchen sink, mm-hmm. you know, if we're better and for worse. Yeah. Um, so this game was a huge hit on release. Um, we talked about that a little bit in the zone of the under sketch. Um, and, uh, I was going to say like, you should go back and listen to that, but no, you shouldn't. Like no. we're going to, we're going to uh, obviate it right now. So, <laughs> yep. like, um, so if you're listening in order, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this is, this is, we're different people and we're, we're taking a, a more detailed approach than that. Like that was, mm-hmm. that was literally a goof that was the day before, right? you know, that we, you know, so that was not something we prepared for very much. Right. Um, so huge hit. And for a very long time, um, this has been, as we mentioned, this has been talk to death. Right. Uh, this is one of the most discussed games, I think, in gaming history, mm-hmm. um, specifically whenever postmodernism uh, in games comes up. Um, this game is kind of the poster child for that. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been a direct influence for a lot of stuff uh, that we mm-hmm. consider kind of, you know, especially like in the indie scene. Uh, you know, considered to be, uh, you know, huge and subversive. So, like, there are specific scenes in this that would be, let's say, inspiration for the Stanley Parable. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so, like, the, like the, this in 2001 laid the seeds for a lot of things that we would come to enjoy, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. And when we say it's a huge hit, that doesn't obviate the kind of controversy part of it either. Mm-hmm. Because this kind of like, you know, what the fuck just happened? Who the hell is Raiden? That was a real thing. Right. It just didn't impact sales, really. No, no. You know, like the game sold really well because it's because uh, it was so pretty and because it had all of these like, cool things you can do. And pe- yeah. people were just hungry for yeah, like a the, new Metal Gear. The, the, this was, you know, a, probably along with the DVD player, the reason to own a PS2. It was yeah. like the DVD player, Metal Gear Solid 2 and Madden, I think, is what is what really made the PS2 so so attractive early on. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it ends up being in kind of a weird space where like there was a huge, there was a backlash mm-hmm. to this and I, I specifically remember it, but now it is thought of, you know, much, much more fondly. Yeah. Um, and regardless of which it's always sold really well. Yeah. So we're making a lot of this meta stuff that happens. Um, we see a little bit of it in this first, uh, the, the stuff we're going to cover in this first episode. You, yeah. This, this is the, the second time I've played this game uh-huh. since the first time. And it's amazing to play the beginning of it and see um, <laughs> them laying some seeds and stuff. Yeah. It's like, it get, again, it still ends up being like, this is weird and kind of sloppy, but like, oh, it's sloppy. <laughs> too. I see the purpose. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and some of these dialogue ticks and the like. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get to uh, a lot of that stuff next week. Uh, the majority yeah. of it. And again, we're, you know, this is, this is setting down uh, the, the, the generalities, the tanker, and then the first kind of major arc of, uh, of, uh, of, of the plant um, for me. So th- this isn't the second time I played the game. I've probably played it in total of six times now, something like mm-hmm. that for a while. I would go through every single metal gear game um, about once a year um, coming into this though. Uh, my appreciation for the ideas that it's put forward has actually grown a lot. You know, that stuff that people rant and rave about and the stuff that people make all the videos about like i'm actually like way into it and i had Mm -hmm. no idea what was going on because i was 14 when i played it yeah (laughs) you know um it's kind of like wait this is this is incomprehensible but every single playthrough has kind of made it a little bit richer um i i think both as i've grown up and also as kind of the context of the world has changed and the things that they're saying um actually feel really applicable um mm. you know on like a philosophical level in a way that feels spooky to think that this came out in 2001 uh but at the time it was it was definitely like way too much i found this great jeremy Parrish quote on wikipedia um it was from the one up days so that's gone bye bye 
thanks. Um, but he says, Metal Gear Solid 2 is a game built on mis- misinformation, and it was simply too avant-garde, too clever for its own good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, fair, you know, fair enough. Like, yeah. that is, uh, you know, that I think that is that is largely true. Yeah. Yeah. And that stuff, like, you know, so I, the first time I played it, which was roughly when it came out, I wasn't 14, but I, a lot of it was lost on me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, almost all of it was lost on me. I kind of got the basic concept of it, but kind of the sophistication was lost on me as well. And I've developed a little bit of that appreciation you're talking about, just not through playing the game. Right, right. You know, each time, like I've read about that, like when I, I'm kind of like, sound like I'm being flip about these like 14 part analyses and stuff. I've watched them all. <laughs> no, they're great. <laughs> like, I, yeah, like I, I've like looked at like really in-depth criticism of this game, like, you know, like the like Super Bunny Hop series of it and Matthew Matosis. And I've read um, kind of breakdowns of it and stuff. I think this game is still very interesting. Mm hmm. Uh, it's just the, uh, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more sensitive to the unflavored oatmeal you have to eat to get to it. <laughs> so for me, like getting that a, a additional appreciation that I think that you and I share, mm-hmm. I just needed to get it in a way that didn't involve having this controller in my hands. Yeah. You know? Um, and I don't, I don't feel like I got less than right. for that. Like it's still, you know, the, the, the beats, like the important parts I still got, Yep. you know, because the, the moment to moment, even, you know, even at the time, which I remember enjoying, yeah. Um, I don't remember it being like, oh my fucking God, this is the game. You know, <laughs> I remember at the time being like, this is pretty cool. Um, but mostly I want to see kind of what happens next. Right, right. Uh, you know, and now that I know it, it loses a little bit. It reminds me, it's a little bit weird because it reminds me a little bit of, um, uh, well, two, two things that makes me think of kind of like cross media wise. I know this is off topic and we will get into the actual play of the game eventually. That's why we split this up into two. Mm-hmm. Um, one, um, it reminds me of us because we recently revisited Bloodborne mm-hmm. for Bonfireside Chat, where Bloodborne is a game where the kind of mysteries of the plot and everything draw you into the second half. And I found myself not really compelled to play, you know, deal with kind of the some of the the shit that you have to deal with in the second half of that game. Some of the weird difficulty spikes and hostile areas in order to get that plot because I already know it. Right. You know, so discovery is a real big is a huge motivator. And once that's kind of gone rediscovery as much as as rich as that can be it's always going to be a little it's always going to be like methadone mm-hmm. you know it's always going to be a little less than right for me and you can always get that in other ways like rediscovery you can get that a million different ways mm-hmm. um it also reminds me of um the uh and this is just out of nowhere i just happen to be uh, replaying this I, at the same time i've got a um a marvel unlimited account i've been reading comics and i've been reading uh ecstatics um the peter milligan series and that is a really good example of something um, when somebody wants to do something that is uh, commentary and kind of, you know, parody of the thing that it is um, and achieving both those levels. Right. So, like, this is something I don't think is very, very fun to play. And a lot of the things it does to kind of get into that meta stuff, I think, are really annoying, like telling me the tutorial twice. Yeah, um, I get why that happens. I still have to sit there and it's annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, or you look at something like Spec Ops, which is like not that fun of a shooter. Mm hmm. Right. Like it, it's doing this this kind of this commentary on the genre, but the actual shooting gameplay is kind of the same, you know, and I think that that game does some successful things with that, but it's still not great. Um, one of the things I love about Ecstatics, if anyone here listening has read this and cool, I got to get you to read it at some point, mm-hmm. is that it makes fun of and kind of subverts uh, its genre while simultaneously being a great example of its genre. Yeah. Like it has this distance of irony, but if you just take things at the base level, it's always good. You know, like this is a really great comic and it has this kind of meta level. Yeah. Well, you I mean, know, and doing both those things at once is really 
powerful. Yeah, well, like I think that there are probably some more well-known examples of that, like uh, like Watchmen or uh, going a little bit more weird, uh, The Filth, which are both commentaries on superhero um, yeah. fiction, but are incredible stories in their own right and very fun to read. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it's something I, it's something I see in comics more than games because in games you have to play, you know, the thing. So if you're subverting play, um, you know, that's something you have. You know, it, it's 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 harder to do to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah, have your cake and subvert it too. <laughs> yeah, have your it's, cake and your pups, yep. pineapple upside down cake at the same time. <laughs> this is a shitty cake, but we frosted it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to it just seems like I, I you know, those are good examples. Like in comics, I've seen a lot of things where it's like this is meta and subversive, but also the base story is, you know, really great. Yeah. So anywho, sorry to that just kind of came out of nowhere. But no, I no, that I think it's a, it's a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what uh, what versions are we playing of this? What, what Let's talk about versions. Yeah, let's do that. So I'm playing the HD remake uh, that was done as part of a collection that was released on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Um, mm-hmm. And that included like Metal Gear Solid 2 and Peace Walker. Frustratingly, the PSP version does not include Peace Walker. Because uh, so, they could sell you Peace Walker. Yeah. I was yeah. I was bummed out. I didn't realize that when I bought it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm playing this on the PS3, and so it's a, it's a very good port, uh, very solid. Um, no pun intended there. Uh, and you are doing? I'm doing OG. Okay. I'm doing the base one because I wanted to be all safe states around having to hide in a locker for two minutes. Right. So yeah, um, yeah. and there are there are differences, but it's, this is not like the same thing as you know. I'm still getting the the, the same story. Right. And stuff. The the uh, the subsistence. I don't know the full list of things that were added in it's the a, HD collection of, or in subsistence. Subsistence added a lot of bonus content on the sides. Like subsistence yeah. is what in, introduced the weird little uh, skateboarding mini game on the big shell. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also just brought in like alternate scenarios where you're trying to accomplish little objectives, like playing a snake on the big shell. Um, but that was uh, them re-releasing it on the Xbox, which was a big deal because Metal Gear had been a PlayStation staple for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I realized I, I thought I was just missing bonus stuff. Yeah. Um, but this has been released and re-released. It's very easy to play, I guess, as the grand point. And mm-hmm. any version you can get a hold of it, you know, is is a okay. Yes. You know, you'll get the same basic story. Yeah. Um, they would take a lot of Metal Gear Solid 2's kind of uh, gameplay changes, specifically first-person first person mode, and backport those to the scenario and story of Metal Gear Solid 1 uh, with uh, Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes, made by uh, Silicon Knights on the GameCube. Um, and we talked about that uh, that port back when we covered Metal Gear Solid 1 four years ago, I think. Um, yeah. Something like that. Uh, it's not very good. <laughs> it, it's I, the, the backporting stuff I actually think is fine. I think that the fact they change the tone, the voice actors and the, the cutscenes and stuff. Yeah. And that's the part that's really bothersome. Yeah. In Twin uh, Snakes to me, like the game isn't built around having first person. So it does make it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those kind of changes towards the player don't usually bother me. Yeah. Um, it's mostly the tone and kind of cutscene changes they make that make the Twin Snakes bad. Right. I think. Yeah. yeah I, I think that, it, that that actually like breaks a lot of the play in a way that makes it harder to harder to enjoy. Uh, than the original. I liked the uh, the simplicity of the original. Uh, that's yeah. uh, in that scenario. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a regardless of which it, it turns everything into a gigantic anime cutscene. Yes, which they aren't in the first one. Oh no, you, you said know, like the, the word. first ones. I did say, oh shit. <laughs> um, the uh, but it, it does turn everything into a gigantic, you know, super flashy action scene with improbable flips and stuff, which is not really what Metal Gear Solid One is about. No, 
it takes the grounded nature of Metal Gear Solid One and and removes it. <laughs> it's so weird to hear that. It's it's, it's true. It's, it's all like, relative. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And relatively, like it's it's a relatively grounded game, and it takes that and, and jettisons it. So it's not very well thought of. It is insanely valuable. Mm-hmm. If you have a copy, sell it because it's you know eighty or ninety bucks. Um, yeah. Um, yep. And then most Metal Gear Metal Gear games that were developed after this would end up being prequels. There's only one mainline game that takes place after this uh which is metal gear solid Four: the guns of the patriots um and then there is the side game metal gear rising revengeance which we have talked a lot of sugar about uh which takes mm-hmm. place um after metal gear solid 4 and kind of the post metal metal gear world metal gear uh, the extended metal universe <laughs> yeah yeah uh but like beyond this three five and peace walker would be the story of big boss you know the story from the 60s to the 80s um mm-hmm. setting things up for the story of you know solid snake to begin with the original metal gear yeah yeah um so in a lot of ways this is you know you can tell this was meant to be the end of the chronology right at the very least um yeah so we'll let's finally get into it There's a lot of preamble um but you know all necessary to kind of get into uh what we're our kind of starting starting grounds here um, so let's uh, let's explain the entirety of the plot. Yeah, let's and then do go it. Go home like, <laughs> <laughs> over the course of these two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We're not gonna explain the entire plot here in the summary because that's uh, dumb. This is a very plotty game. Uh, but what you need to know is in the year 2005, uh, this soldier, uh, this hero named Solid Snake, stopped some terrorists from using a weapon called Metal Gear uh, to launch a nuclear warhead from an island up in the Arctic off of the coast of Alaska called Shadow Moses Island. Uh, and in doing so, he brought to light the fact that you know Metal Gear development uh, has been ongoing and there's this huge escalation uh, and this has kind of changed the world forever. Yeah. Yeah. I never realized how like funny a name Shadow Moses is. Like there's regular <laughs> Modus, Moses yep. who had, you know, who had the, the arc mm-hmm. or that's, uh, you know, and, and everything. And then you have Shadow Moses who just has all like the secret animals. Oh, no, yeah. no, that's Noah. Yes, he has all the what, unicorns what, what, and dragons. Yeah. yeah. So Shadow, I was thinking of Shadow, no, Shadow Noah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like unicorns and dragons and like Chimera and stuff. Yeah. Is Shadow Noah. Um, <laughs> Shadow Noah Island is a different, uh, different thing. And here, it's kind of interesting when you start this game because it asks if you've played Metal Gear 1. Oh. And does it do that thing? Like, or it, in some version of it, I was reading about this. I didn't remember yeah. when I played it. I think that, um, like, the, that was in the Japan, the, ja- the Japanese version. Maybe that's what it is. There's a there's a version of this where it asks you if you've played it, and if you say no, you skip this prologue. Huh. Like uh, I read about that online. Don't don't destroy me if I you know. Yeah. Again, that, that's hearsay because I read it, but I didn't have to do that. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, because again, it, it it's like kind of a bummer because the first part of the game is so good. <laughs> yeah. But then there are matter reasons for it. But then it's still kind of a bummer. It is the Metal Gear sandwich, too, of uh, <laughs> you know, of how this works. But. It is a it's a cool idea because uh, if you hadn't played Metal Gear One, none of this stuff will be meaningful to you. Right, you won't Nothing actually happens. care about getting to play as Snake. Um, yes. And also, uh, they they <laughs> their weapon uh, to get you attached to this character um, for this story uh, wouldn't actually work because okay, well I'm, I I I don't care about Snake. Yeah, yeah. I'm done with Snake. <laughs> um, so uh, this starts off with this. Uh, 
the snake kind of describing that incident two years ago, um, he, or describing an incident two years ago in 20, 2007 at the Hudson River, um, and talking about how they've got some kind of bad intel. And this whole thing is very uh, cinematic and uh, kind of grandly theatrical. That's so good. I love the jump off the George Washington Bridge uh, as, the, as the credits go. Yeah. It's really inefficient, uh-huh. right? Like it doesn't feel uh, like this would be the best way to do this. Mm-hmm. To bungee jump and break your armor and like, you know, I have a, I'm on the stealth mission. I can be invisible, but I'm going to bust the thing by doing it just because I want to make a Terminator 2 reference. Yep. You know, I'm going to I'm going to break this thing. It is really stylish, though. Oh, yeah. Like uh, extremely stylish. The rain looks really good. Like this was this is such a like this is all stuff we said during that Zone of the Enders thing. Yeah. Um, it's such a like a wake up call, you know, for graphically. Oh, yeah. Like the first time I saw this, the first time everyone saw this, they shit their pants because it looks so good mm-hmm. uh, for 2001 and still looks pretty good now. You know, like this is it's obviously not the same kind of, uh, you know, the graphics have improved, but it yeah. still looks good. It's, uh, you know, a thing that's ridiculous about this is how smooth everything moves. That Like yeah. it, it's operating at like a much higher frame rate than you would expect for the era. Yeah. Um, and kind of at a more consistent like this game never chugs or slows down. Um, and that's especially important in these in these cinematics, which were, you know, where that would take it away from you. You know, as like if he throws off his poncho and then just does a, you know, a six million dollar man like slow mo. Uh, that's yeah. going to take away from it, you know? Yeah, you're not going to have the kind of sense of impact and speed. Yeah. Um, so the important information, like we said, we jumps jumps off the George Washington Bridge uh, onto the deck of this uh, this tanker. Um, it looks exactly like Terminator to you. Uh, his his stealth camo explodes in in electronics and stuff. I love that he has a stealth camo too. Oh yeah, because there's a there's a parade reference to that later. Um, that's you know this again. It's showing it right from the beginning. Right. You know, like the fact that he has an end game reward, in game mechanical reward <laughs> from the end of the uh, the last right last entry. So <laughs> yeah. right away, it's signaling kind of what it's yeah. going to be doing. And he's not upset about it because like oh, I wasn't going to rely on that thing anyway. You yeah, know, like it's not a yeah. it's, it's not a big deal because he's he's solid fucking snake. Um, yeah, uh, so he jumps off of that. Like, I love how he's in that kind of like Christ pose as he mm. flies off as well. Again, just laying the imagery on thick. Uh, and we see, you know, who we know is Revolver Ocelot uh, watching him along, saying, "Oh, he's right on schedule." So yes, he is playing into it. This is the intelligence that stank. Yes, yeah, because their noses were out in the cold too long. Um, <laughs> and it, so we get this kind of like a, this dialogue with Otacon, uh, which is kind of famously dorky and bad. Yeah. Like, it, it's fine, but like, the, it goes into, we get into the Kojima uh, naming things stupidly mm-hmm. uh, thing, I think really starts with this. Like, Shadow Moses Island sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, philanthropy doesn't sound good. No. That's too general of a name um, for this. <laughs> yeah, we're, par- uh, we're part of an NGO called The Good Guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Remember, you're part of philanthropy now. And like they never, you know, it's weirdly expositional, but also uh, like it always presents these like ridiculous words as if they're nothing. Mm-hmm. And then goes on to explain, like have the characters explain things they'd already know for like three paragraphs after that. <laughs> right. So there's never they never say like we called it that because of this or like they never which they wouldn't do. But mm-hmm. then they go ahead to say like remember you know this happened yes i remember that we were both there like you know they, they explain things for the benefit of the audience a lot yeah yeah that's very exposition heavy yeah uh what one sentence one sentence summary uh otacon or, or yeah uh revolver ocelot uh scary cowboy uh bad guy maybe working for the russians uh from the first game otacon is solid snake's dorky friend who is kind of his uh technical support um and yes. uh, helping to run this mission he met he met uh both of them in the first game 
Yes. And uh, yeah, Otakon ends up being a very important character throughout the, the series in a way that like you, I didn't think he would be uh-huh. in the first one. I was like, oh, this is a supporting character. I never thought yeah. uh, Ocelot would either. Right. And I wonder how much of that was intended because Ocelot does not play as big a role in the first one. No, no. Nearly. It turned out to be like the mo- you know, one of the most important characters in the series. Yeah. Um, you know, really famous line, uh, you know, now every state group. I never really noticed group. I, I focused on dot com <laughs> yeah. and dot com has their own Metal Gear. Um, <laughs> So like dot com, I think, you know, that's very funny where it's like, oh, like oh, this was written uh, in 1999. OK, yeah, Je- so Jeff Bezos so- can just you know, send out a, a, a dot com on wait, Amazon wait, Prime. Wait, wait, so or, you're saying that Jeff Bezos can send a robot to bring you something? It will bring you death, bring you <laughs> bring you sub sub uh, submarine nuclear capabilities. Right. Um, but then group. Right. Like that, that is such a bad choice of words. Right there. <laughs> like, yeah, that is too general. Philanthropy is too general. What yeah. are you doing? And you, know? it, it, you could read that as saying like, oh, every every, uh, you know, school comedy club has one of these things. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you could say like, oh, it's Otacon being sarcastic, but Otacon doesn't have a an ironic or humorous bone in his body. No. So no. I mean, there's no like the only person who ever makes jokes in these games is Snake. And I right. think that's part of the reason why he's a good character. Right. <laughs> You know, like he actually like seems like he has a sense of humor sometimes. He doesn't do it very often, but like his tone carries it. Yes. And and no one else's does. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's, you know, pretty goofy. But the whole idea here, what they're trying to express is that uh, Metal Gears are everywhere. Like it, it's, you know, the huge arms race, it's yeah. heating up yeah. and they have evidence of a new Metal Gear um, that's being developed by uh, the military. Yes. Um, Otacon hacked into the uh, the Pentagon right. and got this information. Right. Um, and so our mission here is to go and get some photographic evidence of this new mech. Um, but we also need to recon the whole ship because nothing about this looks right. Well, specifically, they want to find out where it's going. Right. Like we have to find out where the, where the ship is headed. Yeah. So we have to head to the bridge first. Yeah. And it, it's kind of interesting because it starts off like I, I've got like kind of mixed feelings on this intro because it starts off, you know, you see all these Marines and it's like, hey, you know, don't kill anybody, Snake. These are Marines. He's like, well, we're not terrorists. I know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, I have to get through this whole thing. And like, you know, a non-lethal thing is going to be enforced. Right. You know, and then before too long, you know, you get your kind of rundown on your gear that you have. You have your cigarettes because yeah. tradition. Um, but then Russian hijackers show up and kill all the Marines. Right. Before you and, can ever do any kind of input, like before any yeah. control happens. This is all one big long cutscene. Right. Um, and then so now it's like it's kind of open game. Like it's up to you whether you want to kill people or not. Right. It's no longer I'm no longer sympathetic to these terrorists. They're taking over <laughs> the ship with a nuclear equipped battle tank on it. You know, right. Right. Just, um, you know, yeah. sl- slitting the throats of these nice people who are walking the decks. <laughs> like... The characters uh, doing standing still and doing nothing mm-hmm. um, in cutscenes where thing they could prevent things. That's not quite what happens here. That's going to be a theme in this game of like, why aren't any, why isn't anyone shooting somebody? Right. <laughs> um, and that happens on a constant basis. Right. Like where people have to kind of stand back. And when, I mean, I'm going to say the word, when I talk about anime tropes, that I don't like, mm-hmm. that's one of them is waiting for someone to do their dramatic entrance before doing anything about it. Yeah. And if you're like, oh, that's, you know, that's not a thing. What, do you, what don't you like about it? That's a trope. That is a single trope that I don't like that this game shares with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that, I need that, to watch this person do their intro. That, that should never have happened again after Indiana Jones. <laughs> No, totally. Like that's that's such a brilliant subversion of that, but it happens all the time in games. Right, right. Like we have to let this person and just like account for it, you know, spatially. Mm-hmm. Do the blocking of having them not be able to get a clear shot or try to or have something happen like their gun fall out of their hand, so they they're trying to react mm-hmm. while you have the character give their exposition. Right. Not just right. have them literally pointing a gun at them and waiting for them to finish talking. 
Like these people are trying to kill the fucking president. Yeah. Like, you know, they're, you know, they're like, there's, oh, it'll be the greatest, you know, uh, environmental disaster of all time. Like, they're not good guys. You know, you aim to murder them. Right, right. Two tap don't these let guys. Them, Come on. Yeah, two tap them. Um, that happens all the time in this game. And this is the beginning of it where I'm like, I don't think Snake could take out all these Russian soldiers. No, no. But like, hey, Otacon, put in an anonymous call to the Coast Guard. <laughs> there's there's a terrorist attack. Yeah, make this happen. You there know? are 25 dudes. We can totally get, we, yeah. can, we can make this happen. Or just let the entire army of Marines know. Um, yeah, no, totally. Or let the Marines, you know, the Marines, yeah, in general, like let the Marines know. Do, um, uh, cause philanthropy, like it's implied a couple of times that there are other members of this, that like Mei Ling works for them or Natasha works for them uh-huh. from the first one. There are a couple of things and like, Hey, we need Natasha, get her to, you know, cover us with her rifle from the bridge or something. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't, it, it's just kind of like, okay, well, these guys can die. Mm-hmm. This is fine. Yeah. You yeah. know, and there's a lot of like, this is fining <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so these terrorists, uh, they're Russians, and this whole sequence is just to let you know that Snake is this encyclopedia, right? He is uh, nothing but uh, a perfect combination of intuition and knowledge, because even by looking at the leader, he says, oh, they're, they're, they're Russian. No Marine Barber ever touched that hair as he looks upon Gerlukovich, uh, yes. who is kind of this Russian um, general military leader who is, who, you know, who is leading this charge. Um, and to him or at home that he's Russian, why don't we just have him put on a new Shanka? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Of course. And he also recognizes the chopper that is nearby, uh, from the motor, but he cannot tell if it is the civilian or the army version. Yes. Yeah. It, it's real in the weeds. Yeah. With, 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 with that stuff. I mean, you know, he, he looks like a, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter at this point. Right. The, um, they're trying to figure out who they are. That's what they're going to do. Right. Um, so you're like, you're set free. Um, on, on the ship. And this is in general, I think a really good introduction to kind of the play That's so good. Uh, of things. Yeah. Like this is, this is a, a, in a lot of ways, a more interesting environment than you're going to see for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, in the shell. Uh, this, you could tell that so much work kind of went into this because it's like this opening, even this very opening area, um, with the deck. So like the things you have to consider here that you don't have to consider later, mm-hmm. um, you have three levels of, uh, visibility, above you there's a guard like on the next level uh patrolling mm-hmm. um i don't think now i think if you come back here later though there's one up on the top level yeah um you know who could be looking down um so you're dealing with uh, people looking down on you from from a distance managing their line of sight under hanging uh under underhangs mm-hmm. you have uh multiple entrances i hear like multiple overlapping patrol routes and then the idea that like when you get in um you're gonna be tracking water because it's raining, because there's this <laughs> environmental effect, which will, you know, it shadows the the footprints in the snow mm-hmm. um, from Metal Gear One. Like this is a really, really complicated, good introduction. Yeah. To um, the stuff, and it's it's you know I can't really like overstate how good it is, and then just like how many just rooms there are in Big Shell. Like <laughs> right. You know, it, it this is really, really good though. It, it makes me want the game that this is faking out to be. It's it sets my expectations so high for how yes. considered this environment is. Um, and a place, you know, like, and this is a place where the first person actually really, really plays into it because you have those different levels of patrol, um, you know, on the different uh, kind of decks of the ship, right? Well, you know, a way that I end up taking people out with a tranquilizer is using line of sight to my advantage, posting up on the, uh, on the stairs and then aiming up through the rails, you know, in in order to like get the perfect headshot when they walk over and look and, and look out this corner, like, you know. That is a subtle way that you're empowered, um, but you know you you can work those angles to your advantage uh, in this, and that happens a little bit in some of the connecting struts in the big shell, uh, but it is on full display here. 
Yeah, it happens way less in the big shell. Right. You know, like there there are some interesting levels in the big shell. It happens way less here. The other thing that this whole tinker has, and we, we really get a, a taste of this in the upper deck uh, here, is like a, a real serious sense of place. Right. Um, there are nods towards that in the big shell, but this feels like this makes sense. And that's part of the uh, biggest, I think, kind of innovations or improvements from Metal Gear 1 to Metal Gear 2 mm-hmm. is even in Metal Gear 1, I wanted to do this cool stealth stuff in a place that felt real. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, like Metal Gear 1, for like all of its strengths, they feel like levels. It's a military base. They just kind of made it a series of kind of Pac-Man corridors. Mm-hmm. You know, like what sense is that gigantic room with all of the like sheds? <laughs> you know, like, why wouldn't that be one big storage room? Like, right. no, it's just, you know, because it's a level and we wanted to show off the trap doors and mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. This feels like a real place. Yeah. And uh, that's always going to appeal to me quite a bit. Yeah. You, like, you, I like being in a place with a sense of place. Yeah. Like, and like the, the, the centerpiece of this, and, you know, we talked about this a lot in that zone in the Enders episode, uh, you know, where I end up spending a lot of time and where they put so many of their resources is, you know, a room that is designed solely for human use. This lounge. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the rec room. Yeah. The crew lounge. So this is in the upper decks. We're heading up there first um, because we had to find out. We had to go to the the, the bridge to find out where the ship's going. Um, and uh, one of the things we go up here on our way there is the lounge. There's other things. We'll talk about those real quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, briefly, the gameplay elements that get uh, um, introduced then. But this lounge is great. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go over everything we went in through in the, the Zone of the Enders thing, but this is where, like, Kojima detail porn, <laughs> you know, it's it's you know it we're, we're specifically background detail like not so much where it interacts with gameplay which is another one of his strengths mm-hmm. you know things like drawing the you know calling in the airdrop on quiet's head the um <laughs> this is uh this is so great yeah because uh, after you take care of the guards you just have this room that is like extremely fun to trash <laughs> uh, essentially yeah you have the ice bucket full of cubes that will melt in real time you have the you have the tv uh it's a plasma that will uh black out that was such a, that was such a big deal in 2001 it. oh my god yeah they just shoot it it's like goodbye six thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> with with the expanding circle of darkness that will that, that will extend from wherever you shot it yeah yeah um shooting magazines there's a huge a whole like a uh, liquor cabinet of individually modeled bottles so you can do target practice yeah um you can you can create a lot of like emergent gameplay fun mm-hmm. here and it's super cool yeah um so yeah, kudos to that like, like like understand that i have infinite goodwill and joy toward this kind of shit it is a really good room yeah <laughs> extremely good room <laughs> it's, it's a good it's a good room gory um yeah yeah <laughs> on your way here though you get a couple of these graphical flourishes uh, it'll have you spot a guard by a shadow mm-hmm. yeah yeah they kind of show you that that's going to be an effect and uh the uh you also get introduced to kind of some standard gameplay things so like cameras um which you know uh i, I like that it actually takes into account the blind spot under them mm-hmm. games don't always do that right um you know but the, the blind spot under them um, also laser tripwires. Yes. Um, and it kind of, uh, signals the way that metal gear deals with, um, these kind of environmental hazards. And I think this, this works about half the time. Um, so what it does is whenever you're about to run into one, you'll get a Kodak call explaining it. Mm-hmm. And the idea being, then, you know, to watch for them. Right. Um, that works for things like, uh, this where it's like you can see the laser hallway you can see the camera mm-hmm. um there's a part where arbitrarily they add landmines oh my god it's so um, bad. And big shell that makes me want to like i i hate it I, <laughs> yeah. I think it's such a bad it's like a safety bit problem like well i just have to have the mine detector on at all times in in a chapter that is concerned with equipping a specific other kind of detector mm-hmm. so like they know you're not going to have the mine detector yeah. equipped there because you had to have the uh the bomb detector 
Um, that's very frustrating. Yeah. So like I think this this way of doing it, having a codec call that explains what to look for is actually really good when it's something you can see. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and here it's it it totally works. It's just later that they kind of betray that. Yeah. Um yeah. but I love these laser traps because there are so many different ways to deal with them. You know, specifically mm -hmm. right here, when you don't have um, a gun that is powerful enough to do it, uh, you don't actually get get a chance to do it. But like the, the, the quickest way is to just shoot the green light on the control. Um, and that mm -hmm. will, you know, just get rid of you know, it'll disarm it entirely. Um, here, though, uh, if you if you use a weapon that can destroy it, it will alert to the guards because, you know, yeah, sound is sound is a factor. But also there is a uh, there's there's a fire extinguisher right next to it which will shoot out enough powder so you can see the see the beams, you know, so you can crawl under it. Um, or uh, you can just equip your smokes, just like in Metal Gear Solid 1, and see the beams that way. Like, yeah. so many different options for how to take care of this single threat. Yes. Yeah. And and uh, and smoking kills you so incredibly fast <laughs> in uh, in this game, as opposed to the way it is in real life. <laughs> right. It's very funny to watch your health literally just drain. Beep, beep, like, you're, beep, you're poisoned. Beep, beep. The um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's very cool. Uh, tripwires work really well in this. And then they become they introduce a thing a little bit later. But we may as well talk about it now where there's a later tripwire where you have to shoot out the green uh, lights. Mm -hmm. And that foreshadows the first person uh, kind of, you know, hidden Easter egg hunt right. that you're going to be doing for the first major arc of Big Shell. Right. So, you know, one of the things that I like about uh, this game and one of the things I think that uh, Kojima does really well is uh, and I'm gonna say Kojima and Kojima interchangeably. So in the case that bothers anybody, I apologize. Um, I've, heard, I've heard both. I've heard both as well. Um, one of the things I think he does really well is have gameplay considerations that teach you about the advances in technology he's obsessed with and using. Mm -hmm. So like this game bends over backwards to like encourage you to use the first person mode and get used to it. Right. You know, like the actual buttons you're pressing to do it, like maybe not so great, but mm -hmm. like. Getting there, uh, he gives you situations to practice. I like that you can get up on your tippy toes in order to see one of these lights a little bit later mm -hmm. on in this chapter. Um, I don't like that you have to press both of the buttons, to, both of the shoulder buttons to do it. Exactly. I'm already holding down two other buttons. Yeah. I, cl I just climbed on top of the, the crate oh, and yeah. just got an angle where I could get it mm. because I, I'm not going to do that tippy toe shit. <laughs> I just, I'm just not. The, um, like, I'm not. I'm not going to. It's a principal thing. I want them for them when they collect my data. Yeah. Like this, this character never used the tippy toes. That's right. I never did a pull up either. Fucko. Yeah. But, but, gonna... Butterfield don't trifle. Yeah. Yeah. Do not. Uh, the um. But yeah. So he does a really good job of kind of showing you. And this is this is kind of how to do it. How he does it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great. Very good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And as, so uh, you get up to the bridge um, here. I mean, you go through like a mess hall where they've killed all the, the Marines, et cetera. Um, you know, essentially though, it just kind of rooms, uh, mm -hmm. at this point. Can we, there's also, um, that food storage room. Oh yeah. Um, where you get, you get your box, which is a, you know, a series tradition, but is also, you know, can be useful, um, in stealth. And, uh, you, there's a lot more of that playground. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, because you can shoot melons. And I never realized that the brand of oranges in this game is the oranges. Yep. <laughs> I think that's very funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's the it's oranges great. yeah the yeah. orange yeah and they're all that too like all the different like it's like the flower oh yeah like that like it's it's always that i think that's very funny it's like I, uh it's a the same supplier that uh, uh that the repo menus yeah <laughs> yeah it's very good yeah um but there's, there's another little like very fun playground room you get to shoot a lot of watermelons mm -hmm. um yeah way into that and they bring the, the melons back for um 
tech demos for Revengeance back when it mm. was a different concept. Uh, yeah. Punishing melons is a Kojima pastime. Yes, yeah, he hates them. It's like the it's like those uh, videos of corgis destroying cabbages. <laughs> what? It's like, it's like video. You never see like cor- like uh, all those videos of corgis just like fucking going to town killing cabbages. No, I've seen uh, I've seen cats being scared of cucumbers, but never corgis and cabbages. I will I will find a video and put it in the, the show notes. Um, there's a really good like you know the the thing um, people draw cartoon eyes and and mouths and stuff on on uh, inanimate objects. Yes, you know um the uh there's a really good one of this corgi just like furious like destroying them and one of them is is dead and it's like it's kind of you know and the other ones are looking on in horror because they can't get away and one of them's crying <laughs> like looking at this other cabbage that just got ravaged by this corgi they're just they're just eating it but like someone's trying to hold them back a little bit and they look so furious it is very funny hmm. um but that's him and watermelons i'm i'm looking at this very i'm looking at the same one. Oh no he's crying yeah. Yeah, it's it's very funny to me. Huh. Like, um, yeah, it's pretty yeah. fun. Um, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, you 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 do uh, punish a lot of melons here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was my rank that I got. <laughs> melon punished punisher. melon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, yeah. <laughs> so um, you go up to the the deck up onto the the bridge uh, there, and uh, more choppers kind of come in with more troops. Yes. Um. You are there trying to get the uh, coordinates, uh, which are just kind of out in the middle of the ocean. That is kind of, you know, confusing. And as you are talking and re- relaying this information to uh, to Otacon, um, you see one of the kind of lieutenants outside, Olga, uh, just this uh, this woman. Um, and uh, you go and kind of like listen in on what she's talking about because she is radioing to Gurlukovich. Yes. Um, and there's some kind of like sloppy exposition of characters saying things for your benefit. Yeah. Like, you know, you have yeah. to be careful. That's my grandchild you're carrying, you know, <laughs> yeah. these things that they, that everybody knows, yeah. you know, but they're just saying it out loud of course. Uh, for you. Um, essentially, um, the, uh, uh, Olga, we learned, you know, he's trying to get her to leave. She says she's staying uh, with the unit because it's the only home she has. Um, and then, uh, they talk about, uh, Shala Shaka has landed. Yes. Um, and, uh, the, the, you know, it's like, is the person trustworthy who's, uh, piloting the Metal Gear? He's the only person who's gone through VR training. Right. So it's like, this is, you know, at least a little bit weird. Cause I'm like, I've gone through VR training. Like, <laughs> can, can, can I pilot the Metal Gear, Greg? Yeah. Um, or, or are they referring to me? Like, is this some like, you know, Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, no, like we, we, we haven't heard, uh, the Shalashaska nickname for Ocelot just yet. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, Olga says, Hey, I'm going to stay here in spite of the fact that she is pregnant. Uh, I cannot, uh, underline how much of a deal was made in the preview coverage that wait, this Olga character has armpit hair. Yeah. Yeah. It's Cause it's hot. Everybody, <laughs> everybody realizes it was hot. So <laughs> a lot of awakenings happens yep. in 2001. Yeah. Yep. Get it. Get, get, get your girl's little granola. The, um, <laughs> the, yeah. So, so you, uh, you pull your gun on her freeze. I mean, you just kind of stand off. Uh, here that is uh like you know real real big and dramatic and feels a little less earned than some of the later boss intros to me because right. I, I like olga more and it still feels kind of grounded mm-hmm. you know she's just a character um the uh but it's, it's real tense and then she um the rain stops and she has the a uh, gun knife um not like the squall gun knife but like no a, no it shoots out the handle right and snake can dodge bullets mm-hmm. um okay <laughs> yeah um, and you know, she uses that opportunity to draw her own, to draw her own weapon after this, you know, just 
Markov chain of Kojima dialogue about what it means to be a soldier and a nomad. I, I never want to hear about that again. There, there's a lot of like, like I, I'm so bored by like the romanticizing of soldiers uh-huh. in uh in this series. Yeah. Like it is, it is uh and it's going to keep going in this, but like that, that stuff is very, you know, victory and conflict were my parents, you know? And it's just like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. I don't think that's cool anymore. Yeah. Um, um, what I do think is cool is the boss fight. Oh, it's great. Because this is nothing but a test of your first-person aiming ability. It reminds it's like a good version of the Ocelot fight from the first one, which yeah. is just two people with guns. But whereas that was pretty silly, you know, that was like that was two people kind of playing keep away around a, you know, a, a tower. Like that was, you know, it was fine, but right, it was right. a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. This is actually this is a pretty great like shootout. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's so you're separated. It's her setting up a shooting gallery for you, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Yeah, like she, there's a lot of little environment, and it actually ties those little environmental details in the play, in a way I really like. Like the the fight escalates. Mm-hmm. Like she, uh, you know, she uh, undoes this tarp and puts this tarp in front of you. She shines a light in your eyes, mm-hmm. and you, in first person, you can shoot those things away. Yeah. <laughs> um, while also just kind of trying to avoid her, um, lose her, so she isn't just kind of like throwing grenades and and you know uh, doing suppressive fire on you. Yeah. Um, you can actually you can crawl under this little uh, strut. Mm-hmm thing to shoot her from below and if you can get down there and she doesn't know you're there like she'll like let down her guard for a second yeah there's a lot of cool stuff you can do um and if it sounds ridiculous that we are fighting this character who ends up being kind of a big deal and is also pregnant um don't worries all you have at this point is your m9 tranquilizer so you are just um enforcing a nap with extreme prejudice yes yeah and the the fight even ends before you know before she her health runs out right you know, um, she, uh, uh, you know, and that's good because she's a pregnant lady mm-hmm. and you want to, you know, put too many tranquilizers. <laughs> right. in her. The, the whole like putting uh, the, the moral action that is on uh, drugging people against their will, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and that, that being presented as yeah. the morally good choice in so many of these games is so like, uh, the, yeah, the context weird. on that's a little slippery. You got to be real yeah. careful. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like literally, uh, you know, knocking out this pregnant woman with chemicals <laughs> is the good thing to do. Right. Um, yeah. And anyway, I get that's better than shooting her in the face, but like yeah, it's still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so after the fight, um, this drone pops up. Uh, Snake says Cypher, which we don't know what that means exactly yet. Um, so it's like maybe the army is spying on us. And this is where um, the demo ends. And now let's talk about Zone of the Enders. Yes. <laughs> what, what a twist that would be. <laughs> like the opposite of our, and we do it for two episodes. Like, yep. <laughs> how would you stri- How would you even do it? The, um, I've got the notes. I can go over to that page <laughs> if you want. Well, I'm just like, just stretching it out. Like, and then having to remember Zone of the Enders. Well, no, we would do two, Christ. we would do two episodes based over the same notes. Um. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Into it. Um, so the, uh, the cipher thing. So Otacon, uh has identified uh, Gerlukovich. Jackson, he's the colonel of the GRU, the GRU. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is the, then, the, the Russian CIA. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, this is where Otacon starts feeling a little guilty because he says, hey, that intelligence about the new Metal Gear, um, even though I verified it, it actually came from an anonymous tip. Thanks, like, you don't take those. He says, well, this one was signed EE. I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I, so I took it because of certain initials. Yeah. Um, um, I, 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 it could have just been a poetry fan 
or it could have been this one particular person, Emma Emmerich, yeah. who happens to be Otacon's stepsister, uh, from whom he is estranged. Or any number of people who have those initials. Yeah. Or just like a, an internet handle or <laughs> any number of things. But he took it because he's it, willing to gamble with Snake's life yeah, it, for the it, safety of his nerd lounge. It could have been um, it, it, it could have been the lead singer of the Eels twice. Yeah. 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 E.E. Yeah. E.E.'s beautiful blues. The, um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, uh, it's pretty silly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Otacon is a little a bit of a silly guy, you know? Yeah. He's he's. You know, he makes a lot of dumb mistakes. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know, Snake doesn't really write, read in the right act because he's his only friend, really. So right, Snake right. has a real soft spot for Otacon. Yeah. Um, um, I, I really like uh, Snake and Os- or Snake and Otacon's uh, friendship. Yeah. I think that that is, like, one of the one of the best things about this series, actually, <laughs> is the way it's that really- they're, like, buddies to the end. I like that, too. I wish I liked Otacon more. Oh. Like, Otacon's not my fave. Yeah. Like I think Snake is really effortlessly charismatic. I think Otacon, I'm like sympathetic to to his situation mm-hmm. and Seth. Um, he is he's like mildly, you know he he's supposed to be this whiny nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, as a whiny nerd, he gets on my nerves sometimes. Mm, yeah, you know I just kind of like him less. Yeah. Um, I think this this situation with the two of them kind of like teaming up this way is really good though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think this is really strong, and a lot of that frustration uh, comes from his sister. Yeah. Who I think is uh, almost rose levels of annoying. Yeah, like I do not, I do not like E at all, and, and you and spend a lot of time with E. You are meant uh, to uh, to like E an awful lot. Uh, yeah, she, she's and, kind of presented as this as this sex sex object in a way, and and I hate it. Yeah, you know, skeevy um, sexism stuff is kind of part and parcel. But oh, it's Kojima. You can't talk about it. Throw your hands <laughs> up because it's fine. Um, you know, it's just him. Yeah, uh, and, and no. every and, and every single game where Otacon or an Otacon stand-in um, is uh, is present, he always has this like terrible flaw that puts every single person in danger, and like yeah. it's hard to look past that. But like as as a surrogate for just a regular dude who is looking at this, I I I have I I think a lot of goodwill toward him. Um, He's morally in a really good place. Yeah, you know, so his arc and his kind of intro, you know, this kind of like original sin, this kind of thing that he has from his father. And stuff and wanting to undo that and, and deal with it. I think that's really good. Yeah. You know, um, I think that really works. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. So yeah. Um, regardless, the mission is still on. Um, it doesn't matter where the intelligence came from. We can deal with that later. But I've got a real ass gun now uh, in, the yep. U- in the USP. Um, and we can go below decks to, uh, to actually uh, get the proof of this and send it out to the four blogs that exist in 2001. Yeah. <laughs> or 2005. Go send this to, to Cooking with Jonah. <laughs> go, go send it to Any Cool News. Yeah. Harry, and they'll, they'll deploy their Metal Gear <laughs> they have in response. <laughs> yeah, so you go, you go uh, below decks at this point. Um, there's the go ahead towards the engine room, which is one of the first like kind of uh, real big areas. Like the opening deck is very big. This is our second big area. Yes. Um, on the way there, there's a couple of like little set piece moments. Mm-hmm. Um, we run into uh, this like shadow that is cast. Uh, Vulcan Raven uh, is there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a minute, what? I thought I killed you. Um, yeah. No, but uh, it's just a it's a Vulcan Raven uh, statuette. Yeah. Um, you know, in the two years since the Shadow Moses incident, everybody's got their favorite. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, it, it it is a pretty good fake out. I think that that might have been something that was thrown in to uh, um, get people confused in the preview coverage, and they just left it in again as one of these kind of wink, wink, nod, nod kind of references. Yeah. Yeah. It's cute. If you shoot it, it starts firing little pellets. Yep. And then the pellets actually uh, interact with the shadows as well. Like you can shoot it to be in different angles of the light. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a show off thing too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of more like, uh, you know, there's also a locker that has a corpse in it. Um, that's here. You, uh, you know, you're digging through lockers for treasure and a corpse falls out and it's kind of presented as a scare, mm-hmm. but it's one of the funniest moments in the game to me is that happening. And then me just like dutifully putting it back in the locker. <laughs> like i've done it now because i started this game over to do it with save states i've done it now twice you know for the show and like every time it made me laugh pretty hard like because because you have to do this wide turnaround Uh when you're dragging a body (laughs) back you go um very funny to me yeah it's like you it's like you opened up the wrong uh the wrong locker at school a bunch of dodgeballs came out like yeah (laughs) and put it dutifully put them all back snake doing chores is very funny to me somebody make that please (laughs) (laughs) but yeah uh the engine room set piece again it's more of this multi-level uh kind of thing this is less interesting than outside i think maybe because the novelty wore uh, wore off um yeah it's 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 very um it actually kind of foreshadows it's big which is nice but it kind of foreshadows some big shell like industrial bland yeah yeah hallways and railways your railings you're you're in a purely functional uh kind of space as opposed to a place that was meant for humans yeah right um yeah, um, you can. Uh, so you make your way through here to the other end. Um, you get to the, the C4 hallway we talked about. Where you have to shoot uh, in first person, shoot the C4 uh, green lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you get to kind of these cargo hold hallways. Um, and it, it, you know, you, you go through two of these. Like you go up, it's like a big U, right? Uh, the mm-hmm. first one is mostly a stealth kind of thing. I, I like this because one of the guards is jamming out to music. <laughs> yeah as we can't hear you he's just doing like this little dance it's pretty good um and i knocked him out because you know who dares to dance i am a walking footloose um yeah <laughs> yeah right here in in uh in rivet city um yeah, let's see the rivet city because it's a tanker because yeah. fallout 3 oh yeah um the uh, the i uh i knock out everyone in these games oh yeah like because i want to be able to explore the levels and that's just my my stealth heuristic yeah um you know, i understand that people want to ghost them but i just i don't so yeah. uh, I, I'm I'm pretty much in the same way because that's the way that I beat them quickest. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and also because like you, I want to be able to pay attention at least at least when the areas are worth paying attention to. Yeah. Yes. Um, I do feel a little bit better. And this is this just gets into the, the, the irrationality of humans. I feel better in later games when they give you the option to choke people out so they fall asleep as opposed to, I guess, snapping their necks, which is what you do. Yeah. Here. Yeah. It's, um you know, and, and again, the. um it's a real sliding scale of morality. Yeah. yeah. Is, you know, drugging somebody against their will or, you know, choking <laughs> them out. Like, is that, it's better. It's still not a good thing to do to somebody. I, I just like, yeah. I play metal gear solid five as Mr. Sandman, you know? Yeah. Well, and again, one of the things that metal gear does, and I think one of the, the ways, I think some of the ways it encourages non-lethal play are kind of BS, but I like the ones where it encourage, you know, it rewards you. And then also they make it actually a little bit easier. Right. And I think that's the most meaningful way that uh, these games traditionally make, mm-hmm. you know, non-lethal play yeah. uh, more enticing. Yeah. And, and you know what people don't get enough of these days, Gary? What's that? Uh, water. Yeah. No, we're, we're, we're all dehydrated, like, all the time, and I think it makes us unhappy. Also, sleep. And I'm I'm running around doing a good service. Yeah. And if you can actually put them to sleep and throw them in the water, mm. you're killing two—well, you're killing one guard with one <laughs> you're, stone. You know, with the, you're uh, committing murder. Um, yeah. 
You're committing murder against one bird with one stone. <laughs> the how the old expression goes. Yep. Well, yeah. you're you're referring to children with one act. So yes, yes, yeah. Um, so you reach the other side, um, and this is the the big segment. Uh, so you you find out the Marine commander is giving a speech. We're not quite there yet. Um, the Russians will complete their plan by the end of it. Uh, Otacon hacked in and, and read how how long the speech is. Um, <laughs> It'll be longer if he throws in some jokes. <laughs> yes, which I think is a way the game dynamically gives you more time. Those jokes don't show up if they're not if you don't need the time, right? Which I think is actually really clever. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate it in these games when you get caught in a cutscene. Yeah, like in a stealth game for you just to kind of get like seen when can, you know inside your control. It's really frustrating. And I think that this first person combat sequence when you just have the pistol is kind of bad. Yeah. Um, this is where I was doing that grenade thing because the, your cover is only waist high. Mm-hmm. Every time they throw a grenade, I would lay down on top of it like an idiot. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think this is very good. Yeah. Uh, this is also one of the first places, again, in mandatory combat where uh, you run into what I think is a major problem, which is everybody's or your, your main character's reaction to taking damage is to fall over. Yeah. Um, which means that if you are lining up a shot um or you know uh just happen to be out of cover at the uh, at the wrong time you have to deal with several seconds of being vulnerable as you get kicked out of first person and then have to stand back up and then line yourself back up um, Real bummer. and that and that the, the, that i think is the biggest problem with sequences like this and a lot of other sequences where combat is kind of mandated yeah because they, they haven't made combat fun yet right um you know they will like combat's very fun in five and peace walker it's not mm-hmm. fun here um, so the, uh, mandatory combat thing, but that's really just kind of, they wanted to introduce it, mm-hmm. um, in order to, uh, and then we get a, a cutscene of Ocelot shooting a Russian guard. Right. Um, so the idea here is he's betraying them just foreshadowing, uh, there, mm-hmm. um, you get into this, this segment I really like, or the sequence, uh, that I think is really, really great. Oh yeah. Um, this is very cool where you have to get in and take pictures of metal gear and you are, in a place where these Marines are giving a speech and it's kind of predicated based on the fact that they are so regimented and soldier like that. They are going to be paying atten- like complete attention. Yeah. They're standing at attention as they are listening to Dolph, the commander, you know, talk to them about what they're protecting and what they're about to do. Yes. Um, and this is great. Yeah. Like you had to move through three rooms that have slightly different layouts to try to get to the metal gear room mm-hmm. um, and take these pictures while dealing with these little wrinkles. <laughs> yeah. Because so this is a bit of a show off thing because so many actual moving characters and units are on the screen. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they're all moving kind of in unison. So the, the radar is kind of hilarious because you see just this gigantic uh, conglomeration of cones shifting as for basically no reason they move from one projector to the other. I think maybe just yeah. to keep them on their toes. Well, and to keep you on your toes too, like it's, it's, it's a transparent gameplay consideration. Yeah. Um, and they do these little like tricky things during this where it's like, Hey, let's do some stretches, you know, <laughs> and it changes their cones. Um, they do a thing where it's like, he does like a little drill, um, <laughs> about them getting invaded, which like they have been invaded. Yeah. Um, they don't know it, you know, intruder to the right and you have to find cover during <laughs> these parts. Um, I love that, uh, when you get caught and you hear the one alert sound and then you hear the dozens of them (laughs) they come in waves yeah everyone looks over at you um is is really really good um i got a little bit frustrated during this because there are parts where like um so one of the paths um i had to crawl next to a guy like very close and it worked but i couldn't go back the other way because the way my knee moved so i tried it yeah i tried to take the same way back and i couldn't um back you know and uh yeah it's real weird yeah um there's some some weird little quirks 
uh, that happened with here, where I think that I wish the levels were a little bit, you know, a little bit differently designed as far as the the action on the sides. Yeah. To get get around the Marines, but um, it's very very cool in general. And you're here to take pictures, which I like that as a nonviolent. Like it's not even you know drugging somebody. Right. You know, I'm just here to, you know, leave only footprints, you know, don't leave no footprints, right. take only photographs. Yeah, uh, which is pretty great uh, because the greater mission is not to destroy this thing. I mean, obviously, because it is the United States government and you are not terrorists, but to, you know, render it um, useless because like, no, everybody yeah. will know about it. Yeah. Yeah. To blow it wide open and say that uh, the U.S. government uh, is is escalating this even further. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you actually walk into the final hold, we're. Metal Gear Ray is being held to get your classic oh, Metal Gear um, moment, which happens again and does not work as well when Raiden does it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Quentin Flynn's pretty good, uh, but David Hayter, you know. Uh, yeah. The content of the speech is talking about kind of the philosophy behind uh, this Metal Gear that you're coming after. Basically, the, the, the different branches of the, of, the, of the armed forces are working on their own Metal Gears. The Navy wants to kind of continue developing along this traditional tack um, to speed proliferation, right, to match everybody. Um, and, you know, that was kind of uh, halted or harmed when President Sears resigned after the uh, Shadow Moses incident. The Marines, however, are putting together this Metal Gear Ray, named after the Manta Ray, as an anti-Metal Gear uh, unit to go out and neutralize these existing threats to try and slow the speed of proliferation. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the idea here is that, um, it would be able to, you know, go and land and see pretty much. I think this game kind of does like not a great job of explaining why Ray is so much more special. Yeah. You know, other than just being able to go underwater, mm-hmm. which like, I guess is cool, but, um, you know, it really kind of talks it up. Right. Um, but again, you know, speech is very fun. You get the pictures, uh, there after you get your metal gear, um, you have to go to this little upload thing because you're being monitored. Um, we didn't mention that, but that's a important thing. So you have to burst upload it yeah, or what have you. Um, and, uh, you're uploading it through an app that Otacon made that he made a little digital version of himself in. <laughs> and like, so this is why, where philanthropy's money is going and like philanthropy's <laughs> time, like yep. I'm doing this cutesy thing. Um, so it, it checks your, checks your pictures. Um, there's, I was expecting kind of more Easter eggs. I took a couple of pictures of things I, I wanted to see because mm-hmm. you know, there's a Kodak Easter eggs if you're like looking at mostly, mostly if you're looking at a boob. Right, right. Um, you know, but there that doesn't. He's just like, this is pretty close. Like I took a picture of one of the posters mm-hmm. and Otacon's like, this is pretty close, but we can't quite use it. Well, that's not very close. <laughs> like that's it's, it's a photo of a naked picture, you know, yeah. of, a, of a nudie picture. Yeah, he, wants, he wants more of a broad view. Can't quite use it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, these get uploaded as long as you get the correct ones. Um, the uh, the commander finishes his speech, and now we're in cutscene zone. Um, as uh, we get some plot, as Ocelot shows up doing the slow clap, and uh, <laughs> says he's here to take back Metal Gear Ray. Yeah, doing the slow clap, uh, demonstrating the fact that he has both hands, which is not how we left him. Yes, yeah, which is which is true. And hands are going to become a a thing, right? Here in a minute. So he is here to take back Ray. It is not said uh, for whom. Um, And this is where he is not just, you know, turning on uh, the military and turning on, you know, anything else. He's turning on Golukovich as well because Golukovich wanted to use Ray uh, and hijack it and research it to help Russia rise again, you know, at this point. Yes. Um, But Ocelot wants it for the Patriots, uh, for Solidus and for the Lale Lulelo. Yes. 
um, introducing the uh, the just saying, you know, kind of dumb sounding names without any explanation. Right. right. Um, we've seen the the Lolly Layla before. Yeah. The 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 Eric Clapton's Layla before, <laughs> and it's it it never doesn't sound stupid to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even even the justification for it's kind of dumb. Yeah. It just it just sounds unnatural coming out of mouths. Right. Know? Right. Yeah. Um. So here's a section where people should shoot. Yep. Uh, but don't. <laughs> Um, like he has dynamite, but He's, there's literally an entire army of people and there are people, who, you know, with guns pointed at them. Yeah. But he's going to blow up this thing that like, you know, a Marine would shoot this guy, but we mm-hmm. have to let him talk uh, right. and let him, he let him do everything. Because of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so Ocelot throws his coat um, to kind of use his cover, um, shoots uh, Gerlukovich and uh, the commander and then detonates the, the Semtex and tells the Marines that if they swim for their lives, they might make it. Yeah. Yeah. We're still in the harbor. So good luck. Yes. Yeah. Um, Snake at this point decides to act like he's no longer paralyzed by how cool and, and you know, <laughs> he's no longer suffering the from, action is. from plot, from uh, plot paralysis. Yes. Yeah. Introduction paralysis. Like plot paralysis moves to confront him. And then we get introduced to magic arm. Yep. Uh, um, well, what, what in my notes I have called an arm attack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get an arm attack happens. This is uh, Jeremy Parrish you we were talking about earlier. He used to do this um, thumbnail theater thing where he would have uh, kind of recount the, like humorously recount the plots of video games on his old blog. Okay. Um, using these old thumbnails. And he did one for Metal Gear Solid 2. And it's always magic arm as one word saying this <laughs> thing. And I always thought it was very funny. Yeah. And those are those in general are pretty funny. I don't know how Jeremy feels about them now, but I, I mm-hmm. think those are pretty good. Yeah. Um, and he, he does a really good, you know, kind of making fun of the uh, the tutorializing, like, you know, to breathe, you snake, you know, riding to use your to breathe, use your lungs for strong <laughs> air from, you know, because the tutorializing in this game is out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so arm attack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he kind of has these spasms and all of a sudden his voice and his demeanor change. Um, and very notably, it is not um, Ocelot speaking. It is not Ocelot's voice actor. It is Cam Clark speaking as Liquid Snake, having this kind of uh, uh, affected British accent um, speaking through Ocelot's body, um, you know, saying, you know, a few more years and you'll be just another dead copy of the old man, kind of like laying out to Snake that both of them were drawn from these vintage materials. They were cloned from Big Boss when he was 50. Not not, not true in the that that, yeah, that was retconned, um, but that his way of escaping kind of their their clone sickness or whatever um, unintentionally was to be uh, installed on Ocelot's body, from which he would be able to exert control and live on as the new big boss. Yes, um, th- this uh, as a thing. I know there's more shade that, that happens with this later in the series and later in this game and stuff. This bums mm-hmm. me out. <laughs> I, th- I think this is dumb. I, I, and I, I would prefer that Liquid be dead. <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer that Liquid be dead. I don't like that he's being controlled by an arm. TV Tropes has tied itself into knots explaining how this is possible because of uh, Ocelot's father having magic properties. And this is probably him being like a psychic medium and it lays the bed to make this available and all this stuff. Um, I just and don't think it's very cool. It's, it's um, explained at the end of four. It's 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 uh, uh, auto hypnosis and nanomachines. It's not okay. an actual uh, it, it is not an actual uh, uh, possession. Uh, most it, most things that happening. look like magic in this game tend to be nano machines. Yes, yeah, that's a that, that's a meme and that's a joke and like haha lol. But like that is that is really the way that they that they explained it. So yeah, I just I just don't think it's particularly cool. And it and it takes this again, 
we're, we're always looking at scale, but like it's kind of grounded at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the way it like that direction of it going out of it, you know, this is all canon. This isn't in the fake part, mm-hmm. you know, so magic arm is real. Right. Um, and magic arm bums me out. You know, it doesn't feel like the same way, like the weird meta, what is real stuff that happens later. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is an example of bad Kojima to me. Yeah. And, um, and, and this extends throughout the series. So, yeah, yeah. it is not just in yeah. this context that it happens. Yeah. Bums me out. Um, Liquid Ocelot uh, takes over Ray, um, as we meant, you know, cuts his way out of the ship. Mm-hmm. Snake floats to the surface. I, I do like the way that the, the Ray's lasers work because we see his beak dip down and draw in a bunch of water, which he then supercharges and uses um, yeah. as the laser, as opposed to just being the railgun. Small detail. I, I like it. Yeah. Ray, Ray's a cool design. Yeah. Um, um, everybody loves Metal Gear Raymond. Ocelot. Yeah. Ocelot. But yeah, uh, Snake ends up floating his way to the surface um, and Ocelot swims away. Um, in this, uh, saying that he used the cipher to get photographic evidence of Snake at the scene. Um, and cryptically, he says, you know, he ends this by saying, goodbye, Mr. President. Which is also how Metal Gear 1 yes. ended with him talking to the president. Yeah. So. Uh, and now we're on to the, the plant chapter, the big shell chapter, mm-hmm. um, with Raiden. Uh, huge gear shift here. Uh, we're <laughs> back to Colonel Campbell, um, same voice actor, same everything. Right. Um, talking to someone he's calling Snake about uh, kind of the aftermath of what we just went through. Right. Um, so there are details that are that are altered here. You know, talking about this oil tanker sinking. Uh, that wasn't an oil tanker. Uh, that was mm-hmm. a Metal Gear tanker. Um, and talking about this cleanup facility being erected over that site. Uh, namely uh, called the big shell. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the uh, mission here, uh, the big shell has been taken over by this group of terrorists calling themselves dead cell um, saying they want $30 billion. They have the president hostage. He was there on a tour of the facility, uh, you know, because it's been a couple of years and he wants to do it for publicity, et cetera. Um, and the stakes are that if they blow up um, this facility, all of the cleanup chemicals will leak out and turn the harbor and most of the Atlantic coast toxic. Yes. Which is much more generic than what's actually going on. Right. Um, and that's intentional and that works for me because it's like, it's a pretty simple mission and that's fine. Yeah. It's good. You know, it starts out that, simple. <laughs> re- yes. And reading this and being like, Oh, like I'm preventing it. You know, this doesn't seem like a very metal gear thing. I'm supposed, this is one of those little details, you know, I pick up on where I'm like, okay, <laughs> not just, and not just Campbell quoting himself. You know, saying like a lot of the same lines he said from the beginning of Hell Gear Solid One. Right, right. Or, you know, you swimming into this site. Yes. Uh, which is the way that Metal Gear Solid One began. Yes. Um, so you swim in, um, you need to get to the president, disarm the terrorist by any means necessary. Um, we also find out that SEAL Team Ten is operating inside, um, but we're gonna hide from them. And uh Campbell is pretty cagey about why. Yes. Um Rain is constantly saying, like, why can't we coordinate with them? That's just not the mission. No, no. Uh, another detail here. Uh, you are a part of Foxhound, which categorically no longer exists. Yes. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, so everything's weird kind of right from the beginning. Right. Um, you know, and, and like all good twists, like this, it 
in retrospect, it seems so obvious. Mm -hmm. At the time when I played it when I was young, I just kind of didn't question it. I yeah, just, all yeah. will be explained, you know, and that, that's the mark of a good quit, you know, a good twist. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you, you change your code name. Um, Camel decides to call you Raiden, Raiden instead of uh, Snake. Mm -hmm. um, and you're a real whiny baby. <laughs> I've completed over 300 missions in VR, you know, like you think a real, a real little kid. Um, but the, the key line, you know, I feel like some kind of legendary mercenary. Right. And then the AI laughs and <laughs> Lol. Um, yep. uh, Campbell also explains the new suit, uh, which works into the bleeding mechanic a little bit saying, Hey, it will compress, uh, your organs in order to help you heal. Um, and another line that I like, there's a lot of pressure on my torso. Yeah. <laughs> okay, little buddy. Um, so we start off in this little area um, and there, where there's still, you know, we're getting these. I love that you swim through in these little sea, sea lice, mm -hmm. get on your rations. Yeah. Um, which I didn't notice right away until I Campbell called me, <laughs> you know, and you have to shake your inventory. That's real cute. Yeah. Um, but it's a little playground to kind of get used to it. And instead of having your like little snake dodge roll, you do this uh, somersault that I think has not aged very well. No. Uh, like you, it's a real you go a set distance. <laughs> and the animation is awkward and weird. Yeah. Um, in a way, it was not it was super impressive at the time, but like now it's like very silly. Yeah. And uh, I, I understand that, you know, some acrobatics are meant to make you not be seen. Uh, this is the flashiest. <laughs> it's the flashiest <laughs> possible way to execute that maneuver. Yeah. I do it constantly in the, <laughs> this game because if I'm like walking someplace, I want to just, you know, get there as soon as I can. And like it's the same way you jump when you're you're, go you're traversing, mm -hmm. you know, in a game like yeah. I do it constantly. And it's very funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and this also uh, lets you get a little bit used to the swimming controls. However, that is not going to become a factor until much, much later in the game. Yes. Um, yeah. in, in most in instances, if you fall into water, you are dead. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's usually from a very long distance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple of other details here. Uh, Raiden, when he's phoning in, says, hey, there was a, there was already a hole cut into the side of the uh, of the oil fence, uh, introducing the idea that, hey, maybe there is um, somebody else here who is who is infiltrated. Uh, there are no sentries in this first area. When you get into the second area, uh, which has, you know, the customary elevator that you have to wait for, we notice um, that uh, the terrorists that we're fighting are the same as the same as the ones that we fought in the tanker chapter. So these are Gerlukovich's men who have defected and kind of become this band of mercenaries, no longer working for the Gru. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, you and and as you do this, you spot this other infiltrator, this other person is coming in, riding up the elevator. Right. So to have to wake, they've ta he's taken out these other sentries. They're sleeping. Right. Here. And while that happens, you have to wait for the elevator to come back. They wake up. Um, I put them to sleep to you know, kind of double tap them, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, they still wake up though. Yeah. So it's a little like hide for a little while and wait for the elevator. Your rudimentary stealth, all of your tutorials are being repeated. Yeah. Campbell is telling you how to do everything again. <laughs> it's and like, it, it's, it's a bummer. Again, there's a meta reason why, but I saw it set there. It's a bummer. Yeah. It's uh, no good. Yeah. Um, something that's introduced here that I have really mixed feelings on. Like the, the nodes, the node system. Yes. Me too. Um, yeah. so they're, they're, they're nodes, not, not nerds. Um, so every different, uh, kind of strut of the big cell has a central computer that you have to walk up to and touch in order to kind of assimilate the map of the area. So that means when you first arrive at a, uh, at a new place, you do not have a map of it and therefore your radar does not work. Okay. Yes. Um, so your first exploration of it has to be done kind of blind. 
Um, I like that in concept, however, in execution, it makes it incredibly easy to be spotted because of the way the camera works and because of how kind of clunky going into and out of first person view is in this engine. Yeah, I don't think this game was ever really like meant to in exploration sections meant to have you navigate without the radar. Mm -hmm. You know, it just it, I don't think it works very well without being able to control the camera other than going into first person mode. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's kind of a bummer. Like, I don't I don't really like them either. I like the weird little meta thing that you get presented with the game option. Yeah. Menus. When you, <laughs> like, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, that's great foreshadowing. But I don't uh, I don't really like having to hunt them down. Right. Um, there are people for whom playing without the radar is their preferred method. Um, yes. And I understand that. You know, you want to be able to play it uh, the way you want to. Um, I don't think that is the way that the game works best for me. And so having it enforced, like, I understand, hey, you know, go and find this thing. It's a little bit like um, like climbing a guard tower in an Assassin's Creed game or a Far Cry or something, right, where you get more intel by by finding this particular thing. But it's on such a smaller scale. And, like, the system just does, you know, for me, does not support operating with the thing it withholds without the thing it withholds from, uh, withholds from you. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Like it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, we, we've just did, um, we just talked about hollow Knight for bonfire side chat and such. I just think those, those the other games, even Assassin's Creed works better without a map. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't think this works very well without a map. And like the people who go through and just turn off the radar for the whole thing, I think they're explicitly looking for a challenge yeah. mode of this. And, um, the challenge is not why I think this game is interesting. Right. Um, there are other games where I do think that is, I could see doing that again in five, like a game with kind of more robust controls and more verbs, but here I wouldn't, right. uh, you know, not, not for me. Um, the, uh, so they get this whole thing about not being able to use a weapon that you find. Um, I guess, you know, a lot of times that happens in games, I guess it's good. They, they justify it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, and so one of the, the weirdest things in this game, you know, and it's, uh, alarms going off everywhere. Everything's weird is that for your analyst or your your save data person, they bring in Rose, your ex-girlfriend, or your current <laughs> girlfriend. Right. Um, we don't know that we're BFGF. We don't know that we're for realsies going steady <laughs> right. just yet. Um, but it's it's pretty clear that this is upsetting to Raiden and not in a yeah. way that, you know, like what else is, I don't know what else it's going to be. Yeah, there's you know, there, like there's there, there's some kind of uh, like uh, bullshit justification of, oh, you need to remember that there's something to fight for. <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty silly yeah. um seems desperately unprofessional but of course it does again and then uh she will not stop every time you save your game you have to deal with her quizzing you about what tomorrow is going to be and then not telling you yeah he should just so, like, say our anniversary and be done with it what else could it be yeah like if someone's like there's something special about tomorrow and it's like oh like it's you know it's casimir plasky day like what what is <laughs> what is it gonna be you know Raiden, you're an idiot. Like, this is why nobody liked you. It's not because you're, you're a Bishan and fuck boy. It's because you're a dipshit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she will constantly, you know, as opposed to giving you either monster movie facts or, uh, quoting, uh, proverbs at you, uh, she will just hector you about your relationship, whatever you save. Yeah. Or talking about the people at hand right. and stuff like that's one of the big appeals of Kodak conversations. Mm -hmm. Like, is that like, I'm getting additional context and perspective on this character that I just saw or this weird situation. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what you want. Right. Um, she does not give you what you want again. Oh, maybe that's the point. Go, you know, go to hell. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, like it's still frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after this kind of prolonged conversation, you try to leave, but the guards end up waking up. And so you have to, um, 
stop from stop from being spotted while um you wait for the elevator to, to return um after this uh after this other intruder has uh taken it up yep um so on the way on the elevator you take off your mask we get to see uh raiden's uh beautiful flowing locks mm-hmm. and piercing eyes sculpt the cheekbones and uh the colonel says uh the sons of liberty um are led by solid snake but that doesn't make any sense because solid snake died in the tanker incident they found they id'd his body two years ago mm-hmm. etc um so hmm hmm not that anybody ever thought that raiden was snake you know during this <laughs> right but yeah. yeah so all of a sudden like the game is trying to get you to believe that i think mm, seven or eight people are solid snake there's a lot of like snakes yeah uh, as a code name um, and then for like the first of like four times, I think in the game, they say the big shell is structured like two hexagons joined end to end. <laughs> they say that a lot. Like, yeah. And then you can look at a map of it too. Like, is anyone has a hard time picturing this? <laughs> but on the roof of this you know strut uh that we're on um because there are six struts around a central core um we get our first view of the ocean um and also um our first kind of experience of messing around on the big shell itself um mm-hmm. and the only like fun detail that you get for a little while is the fact that you can slip and fall on seagull shit yes and you can put seagulls to sleep with trank darts <laughs> um, we come back and they don't die they just have little z's coming out of them and it's to, great to harvest their delicious delicious eggs yeah, well, that would be snake. That's snake eater. That's when you do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, as you're kind of heading through here, the SEAL team radios in, says they've got the president um, and everything's fine, but then they become under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of introduced again to everything we already know. We're introduced to the hanging mechanic, um, which was introduced last time mm-hmm. um, to get past this this guard or this uh, this bridge guard, because you're not, you know, it's a SOP like, you know, procurement on site. Mm-hmm. or whatever uh, so you don't have your full kind of equipment to deal with these things so that's on the ab connecting bridge yeah um hang on over to strut b um where the uh yeah yeah where you find the president who is kind of covered in blood um and the seals are being taken out by somebody who is exceptionally fast you know somebody is just jumping around and doing uh these knife attacks uh, and just making mincemeat out of them kind of in a in a um in an homage to the ninja scenes from um, Metal Gear Solid 1, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is our first introduction to a character that neither of us care for, uh, Vamp. You know, yes. we, we, we see him, you know, start it out. He slits somebody's throat and then he, you know, licks the blood off of the blade. Yeah, he is, he is a, a vampire. It's really nanomachines, but he has the <laughs> appearance and stuff of a vampire. Yeah. Um, when he breathes, yeah. you know, fog comes out because he's so cold, so very cold. And he marks yes. his kills by slashing his chest. Yeah, I, I think that there's a, you know, we we both talked about how shitty of a, a insult tryhard is. <laughs> uh, Vamp is a real tryhard, though. Yeah, yeah. Like, the game really wants me to think this is cool, and I do not think it is cool. Yeah, he's running around, um, like, shirtless, but wearing a duster. Um, yeah, yeah, like, aesthetically and kind of tonally, like, and his voice actor is not good. Well, I mean, like Phil Lamar's great. He's an amazing voice actor. Well, His performance in, in, is not good here. He's yes, way too. The character like, is bad. Yeah. He's way too close to the microphone, and he he's kind of he's kind of talking very low, directly on top of it, and you can hear just way too yeah. many of his of his of his mouth, mouth sounds. 
Is, is it his thing? You, yeah. you can just hear mouth sounds in the background, like Neil Sakira is like back in Opus. I hate that I can't say mouth sounds around <laughs> you without you bringing up Neil Sakira. Yeah, it's well, you know, I know it's some, fine. It's some, good. Some, 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 some. Um, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's not a great performance. It all leads up to this character and this whole. Uh, I hate Dead Cell more or less in general. Right. I think Fortune is a good idea for a character that's not really paid off well. Right. And that's the nicest thing I can say. Right. About them. I think Dead Cell is extremely bad. Um, there were cut members of Dead Cell that don't end up in here. Mm-hmm. Um, the end for Metal Gear Solid 3 was going to be in Dead Cell. Mm-hmm. And the end is great. Yeah. Um, there's a character called Old Boy. And then there was going to be a character called China Man. Uh, <laughs> that is who did not, not the preferred no tr- <laughs> No, that is not the nomenclature. Well, yeah. The idea being he was actually Vietnamese. Yeah. Uh, this was something I, I saw on t- TV tropes because some, some troper um thought it to be a moment of fridge fridge brilliance to uh to think about how every mo- moment or every character in dead cell has an ironic second meaning to their name and it's literally just like she's called fortune but actually she's unfortunate <laughs> yeah. um, but the one that they said for for vamp was he's called vamp because he's a vampire but also he's bi yeah like, well that, okay. like, like like that's that's a line so a weird yeah. and weird antiquated terms for uh you know non-standard sexuality um but like <laughs> snake says that almost as a joke like uh, yeah yeah like oh you know he he is from romania he does drink blood he cannot die also he's bisexual there's like a lot of reasons for that name yeah yeah i don't i just i think that treating it like it's this huge revelation yeah but anyway, no, you know that, that's this and they were saying the character chinaman would have been actually been vietnamese and that was the the cool ironic twist yeah um because on, on if, there's, if there's something that i know about people from asia it's that they really like it when you do not uh <laughs> yeah. say yeah. when you when you guess that they are from the wrong country or assume they are all from one particular country yeah it owns more or less <laughs> um and they, and they really dig it yeah <laughs> Like, yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's it's you know very frustrating. And this crew again, it's meant to be kind of like a substandard version of the right. MGS one uh, rogues gallery of kind of like weird supervillains. Um, but just because it's you know meant to be bad doesn't mean I'm not going to spend a bunch of time with them. And it's it's not great. Right. So there's there's a couple of things like fortune. I think is a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that that's about the best I can say. That is that is all the credit that we will extend. Yeah. yeah. Um. So solid snake. Uh, shows up. Wait, don't and, you mean Iroquois Pliskin? Uh, nope. Um, Solid Snake shows up. They really want you to think he's Iroquois Pliskin. I don't think they do. I think that they know that I'm not an idiot. Um, it's still treated as like a twist, you know, this like who is the real snake forever, even right, though it's, right. you, know, it's still, you know. But again, it's meant to be the. Um, so he shows up to save you. Uh, and this is where nobody's shooting at Vamp during mm-hmm. times you could shoot a vamp like he dodges bullets yeah, yeah of course he does but like there's just a bunch of time people pointing guns at him and like kind of you know doing doing anime reactions to mm-hmm. his uh his blood sucking and stuff yeah yeah um yeah um you know when he is being chased out by uh by snake by pliskin and he says oh you have a strange smell you smell like are you it has to be yes yeah um and uh someone named the queen uh calls vamp and vamp leaves yeah, uh, which is fine. And we're introduced to Pliskin here, uh, which we'll call that just for you know lack of confusion. But it's it's like um, introduces himself um, and kind of is like positioning himself as a weird kind of mentor figure. Yeah, yeah. Him, you know, he kind of like gives him a little bit of tough love, like you know, VR isn't real. Like you never dealt with anything like him. You know, like a vampire, like a vamp in, in VR. I can tell you that much. <laughs> right. You no, know, kind of condescends to you in a, a big brotherly like mentor like way. It's exactly what he did with Meryl in uh, Metal Gear Solid yeah, yeah. One. You yeah, know, exactly. Saying, oh, a virtual grunt of the di- digital age. That's great. 
Yeah. You know. Um, um, yeah. And and specifically, there's the, those key lines in this. He says that, which is you know very important to kind of the reveals. And then uh, war is a video game. What a better way to raise an ultimate, the ultimate soldier. Right. Uh, which is exactly what's happening. Um, <laughs> or at least one layer of exactly what's happening. Or, right. One is, yeah. Yeah. The, um, and then, but then when they show it, they show the, the VR missions. Right. Uh, which I think is very clever. Like yep. whenever they refer to Snake back in the past and show him as his, you know, pixelated worst self, I think that's very clever and good. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, Pliskin gets uh, kind of faint at seeing the sight of this bloody Navy captain. Um, I forget if this is... Oh, no, I know what it is. Yep, there we go. It is, it is explained later. Uh, it doesn't make any sense why this seasoned soldier would be upset, um, you know, at this one particular person being dead. But then he sits down, you know, to smoke um, and starts talking about um, Vamp, this member of Dead Cell, this group that was originally working for the government to set up these scenarios to test these VR-trained soldiers. Um, and eventually after some disaster, um, they were blamed for it and then ultimately went rogue. Yeah. Yeah. And he's saying these things. He's like, and, and you're like, I didn't know about that. What about the environmental disaster? What about this and this? And, and things like, I don't know anything about that. Like, weren't you even briefed, <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, I really wasn't, um, you know, he gives you a SOCOM at this point and gives you his cigarettes in case you need them, which we know why those are needed. Mm-hmm. Um, gives you his, uh, I think earlier you said that the president who was, uh, yeah, killed? no, it's not, it's not the yeah. president. Yeah. It's, it's the Navy. Uh, it's yeah. The cat or whatever. I, yeah. I said he was bloody. It's actually the hallway. That's bloody. Yes. That was just yeah. a, a, an imprecision in my notes. Yeah. It's uh, I like the idea of you calling, uh, like, well, the hallway is the president of the, <laughs> the hallway is the president <laughs> was... of moving from room to room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm the president of co-hosting this podcast yes uh so no like the the president has been moved uh he, he was here but he has no he is here no longer um he gives you his frequency uh which yes. is 141.80 uh that is that used to be miller's frequency so there you go on uh, the first game and they're going to continue doing that there they're just these canonical frequencies that are reused for similar roles across the series mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah and says so that the president uh, is at the bridge between b and c um Head on over. Rose calls, uh, reminds you to save, mm-hmm. um, and says, hey, look up information on Solid Snake. Yes. So, and, yeah. She'll be reporting back with exactly what happened uh, two years ago, later on. On the connecting bridge between Shell or Strat B and C, um, we get our introduction to our second member of, uh, of Dead Cell Fortune, who we mentioned has a pretty good idea behind her, which is as these uh, soldiers are firing their assault, assault rifles at her, the bullets curve around her. Yes. Yeah, she can. She not cannot be killed. This is a section, you know, I said I was going to point out when it happens. This is a pacing killing too many long cut scenes right in a row. Yeah, yeah. You literally walk out of the room and walk up two steps and then this starts. <laughs> well, it's a it, so it's a cut scene with Snake. You walk through a door, loading screen. Uh before you approach the sight line, you call and that's when Rose uh, yeah. uh has you save and looks it up and then it's another cut scene right there. Yeah, too much. Yep. Um especially much, because I'm chasing this... after the president. Yeah, it kills any sense of urgency. Yeah. Like it it is again, it is a, actually a big deal. Yeah. Um but anyway, so fortunately all the bullets kind of curve around her. Um, and, and, uh, she's like, Hey, put me out of my misery. You know, I would like to die. Um, <laughs> it doesn't happen. People keep shooting her. The bullets keep going around her. Yeah. Somebody uh, throws a grenade. 
and dies at her feet. Right. Um, super cool. And she has this gigantic, like crazy rail gun. Yeah. Um, my understanding of a rail gun is that it just shoots things very quickly mm-hmm. by using magnets. It doesn't actually shoot like exploding bolts of electricity. Yeah. But yeah. this is a cool sci-fi rail gun. Yes. So I'll allow it. Yeah. And she is like completely destroying whole sections of the, uh, of, of the environment around her. Uh, she's going for it. Whenever fortune shows up, at least uh here early on, uh, she is always accompanied by this, uh, kind of like jazzy sax that appears mm-hmm. it's like oh here's some sorrow music um yes. which is which is way cheesy and over the top i think so too yeah but again cool idea for for a character mm-hmm. yeah um and she's real sad because as she is firing this uh firing this gun uh the, the electrical the electrical discharge causes the seagulls to drop around her from the sky yeah and she calls it she's like i will see you soon my sisters or something like that <laughs> yep. it's okay um and again that's you know vulcan raven uh, you know, his kind of propensity for birds. Right. Um, you know, again, shades upon shades upon shades, the things we've already seen. Yes. Um, she goes back inside. Mm-hmm. Um, Campbell reveals that the seal attack was like a feint. Um, and the new objective is, uh, th- there's an explosive experts in, in strut C because if this actually goes up, um, that's going to be a way bigger deal. Yes. So put the president on hold. President can wait. We can <laughs> stop this thing from blowing up because we're, we fear that they're going to retaliate. Um, against our presence right essentially yeah so they've, they've encountered the seal team they may blow this up um you know the third member of dead cell um that we're going to meet is this um you know explosives kind of madman uh yes. who is going around and has set up c4 all around uh the big shell and basically at any moment they could you know destroy it drop the entire thing into the ocean and again as of right now uh poison the entire eastern eastern seaboard Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you uh, you head over to to see um, the the kind of um, dining yeah. wing. So somewhere um, around here, seeing fortune um, and seeing the way the, that everything kind of played out causes Ryan to have this freak out, saying, "Oh my gosh, this isn't real. This is all just like just a bad dream." Like yeah. he has this kind of psychotic break almost before he goes into Strutzy. I didn't mean to stop you there, but that seems notable that he is a- already questioning what's going on. Yeah, well, he's, he's he's being exposed to all these people with superpowers, right? You know, out of nowhere. So, like, it, it makes sense. <laughs> like, oh, there are vampires and and bullet witches. Um, the uh, and we didn't we haven't really talked about it so far because it hasn't become a thing so far. But like, as much as I think Big Shell Big Shell is really boring and doesn't have a sense of place, they try to give it kind of nods by having some some realness. So when you get over to this this uh, specific strut, like it is the dining strut, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's okay. Yeah. You know, it, it still doesn't, it's still lots of hallways and, and there's always a hallway between the things. And there, there's still lots of just kind of like non-purpose tech rooms Yeah, yeah. you go through, but these little nods, stuff like this, like give me, you know, give me watermelons to shoot. And this at least <laughs> gives me a watermelon to shoot. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciate. Um, there's a weird little bit of gating here. You go through past a level one locked door and, uh, it's not locked. Or it's locked. And then you go to the second one, which isn't locked. And they yeah. lead to the same place. Um, mm. That's a little goofy to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you had any meet Stillman. Yes. Um, Stillman, this guy's got a, a trick leg, a bum leg. But he is uh, the bomb expert that has been sent in specifically to counter, uh, you know, the explosive ex- expert in Dead Cell. Uh, we didn't say yes. his name. It's it's Fat Man. Uh, Stillman uh, did uh, actually train Fat Man. So that is why they are you know, set about their own, you know, set to have this battle of wits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get a lot of background here. Yeah. Um, you know, um, 
<laughs> including There's... the fact that that Fat Man built his first atomic bomb when he was ten. From the internet. It's like, there's, they say something like he downloaded those plans from the internet and they don't change his whole life or something like that. Pretty, pretty silly. And I, you know, in general, I don't like dead cell. I don't think Batman is particularly interesting um, as a character either. Right. Like, you know, as a roller skating fat guy uh, who likes bombs, like it's like, it's fine. Yeah. You know, um, but getting all his background, I don't think it's particularly good. Like I think Peter Stillman's voice actor is really good. Yes. Um, you know, as uh, uh, like a, a kind of a step above some of the the stuff. Not that mm-hmm. the voice acting in this game is bad, but like I think he's particularly pretty good. Yeah. Um, and there's some other little put important hints that kind of come through in this conversation. So, um, we learned that Otacon is on on the shell. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the security systems architect for the facility. Um, he was meant to come in and give everyone key cards and kind of deal with that. Um, uh, and it didn't work out that way. No, no. Um, we also learn uh, Snake drops a couple of hints that he's not who who he says he is. Right. Um, by saying like Semper Fi and uh, he, he, the other... who, he who dares something. Yeah. 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 Um, these these things. And then Stillman, as uh, Snake leaves, Stillman's like, that guy is not, you know, <laughs> he's, not he says he is. he's not a seal. Yeah. Um, and then he's you're like, really? Like what? And he's like, well, I'm not suspicious of him. I'd be more suspicious of you. Yeah, you're the only person like, who he, like we can't account for. <laughs> yeah. You're the weird one. And there's several times where like people are asking, you know, writing his name and he's using his code name and you can see he's kind of conflicted in doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, but he's sticking, he's towing the line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Stillman gives us our mission. We have to deal with this C4 because it is a really pressing concern. It could go off at any time. Um, and the way you have to do it is to go basically from strut to strut, hunting it down. Um, you have this detector uh, that will, you know, sense uh, Fat Man's cologne, which he puts on every bomb he builds. The dummy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, which, it, like, it set up such a big thing that he has this, this, um, this calling card. Uh-huh. And it's like, he definitely, and then he just doesn't, uh-huh. you know, it's like, it, you said like, Oh, that's a stupid thing for him to do. He didn't actually do it. Do it. Right. You know, it's, it's this weird, like kind of unsatisfying thing. Like all this rigmarole with like what bombs emit, what sense, uh-huh. you know, and stuff is, uh, feels fiddly and kind of shitty to me. Yeah. It feels like, uh, Kojima read a book about bombs and was yes. like, Oh, I'm going to throw in these compounds that they off gas. Yes. Yeah. Um, not that like, you know, this actual section of like, there is some joy in looking for the bombs, Yeah, yeah. but this, uh, this, this, the details of this are kind of obnoxious. Yeah. The way you actually dispose of the bombs, you know, because you cannot disarm them, you know, uh, Stillman, because of his uh, disability, cannot move quickly enough and avoid detection. He gives you this can of spray coolant, uh, that will, um, freeze out and deactivate the detonator. Yes. Um, and you can use it to wake up soldiers if you want to, for some reason. <laughs> Um, this is, you know, just fun little, fun little detail that you'll never actually use. So this whole chapter here, um, is about going around and finding these bombs. Um, again, this is leaning on the first person exploration side of things because your detector will show you a cloud, um, on your, on your radar of where it might be, but that might actually span an entire room. So it's about making sure you're not being spotted uh, while you're also going around and looking at the geometry and trying to open doors um, and <laughs> peek over things and peek around things in order to locate uh, these, uh, these bombs so you can deactivate them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're hidden in kind of increasingly clever ways. Yeah. Like this, this is actually very fun. The, the thing that's less fun to me about it is dealing with weirdly enough, like dealing with the, uh, uh, 
the enemies and backtracking back and forth yeah, through these at the times you have to. You have to walk all the way around the big shell. Yeah. To do this. Which, which is kind of a bummer. There's a little bit of this. Um, this is letting you, you know, getting you to know the big shell because you're going to be coming back with like greater, better key cards, mm-hmm. things like that. That's actually kind of useful, but it's still a bland environment to move through. Right. And uh, every time I had to go through one of these connecting bridges and it's like, well, okay, here's a drone here. I shoot it a couple of times. Like these kind of like non, you know, non urgent and not particularly kind of rote gameplay things mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of pop through. So like cool idea, um, cool execution as far as the treasure hunt part. Right. But the connective tissue kind of fell down for me. Yeah. Um, the story bit about this is that as you are disabling the bombs and calling back to Stillman and saying, Hey, I found it on the ceiling of the, of the women's room. Um, he's saying, this doesn't make any sense. This is really sloppy work. Uh, those are not optimal demolition points. Yeah. Yeah. This is not, this would not be what Fat Man does. You're like, well, can he make a mistake? Not a chance. Right. You know, this is definitely not what he's doing. Something's going on, but there's still bombs. Right. You know, like, it's not like we can just like, oh, in that case, we can ignore them. <laughs> you know, like we, so it's, there's still a sense of urgency, but undercuts a little bit. Right. Um, you head over to, to Strut E above the uh, the parcel room, which is uh, this, like, room full of conveyor belts and stuff that actually, like, acts as a very kind of inefficient fast travel <laughs> right. a little bit later. It is a fast travel from one particular place uh, yes. to a handful of other places. Very, very slow yeah. uh, fast travel. Um, we find Olga. Uh, Olga, Olga is here. Yes. Um, and she's talking to someone, uh, presumably Ocelot, mm-hmm. um, about how there is a cyborg ninja She's she saw. Yeah. And it's pretty much copy copy pasted dialogue from the uh, from the first game about the, yeah you know, from the first guard who's talking about this and uh, there's also a mention of something about these arsenal tengu guards who we're not going to see for hours and hours yes right um, you have a gun on her but then she decides to do a gigantic huge flashy acrobatic <laughs> flip that we have no uh, sense that she's capable of um, <laughs> right. this ninja flip off the thing right uh and they were just foreshadowing a little bit of information right that we will Um, come to mm, two minutes later uh we get to the ef connecting bridge and we get a call from uh uh, deep throat and mr x um i I like this because like oh well who is this who's this mystery informant i'm deep throat like from shadow moses uh mr x yeah (laughs) Uh, let's call her ogerlukovich yeah no no that's too (laughs) obvious olga g yeah (laughs) Um, I like Ogre Lukovich. Ooh. Like, <laughs> Ogre Lukovich is a good name for like a, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, the, 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 yeah, call, the call here is to minds. tell you that, yes, they're their they're, they're minds. Again, the exact same call you would have gotten in Metal Gear Solid 1 saying, you know, there's no way that you can, you know, get them or see them without the detector. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you get through, you know, you, you, uh, you can have gotten the detector. You can get it off the parcel room. Mm-hmm. Uh, there um you can also just crawl whenever there's mines um and that's fine as well um you get a call from rose about your first date um <laughs> and the the worst part about this this date so it's like them arguing about these skyscrapers like a real couple of real boring squares <laughs> yeah, is like, that they say they watched king kong over and over that night until the sun came up yeah <laughs> have you seen fucking king kong cole it's so it's slow a boring fucking movie <laughs> <laughs> it's like a really boring movie yeah like Man, I, again, oh, they're meant to be boring. They're meant to do that. Like, I, I need to stop, like, <laughs> anticipating that response because it's but it, it's so crazy. Like, yeah. it's it's such a, such a bonkers thing to be like, what a terrible first date. <laughs> like, we watched King Kong yeah. once as a bad first date, let alone, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, it was, like four times. It, it was it was somewhere around our fifth viewing of Dr. Zhivago that day that uh, 
that <laughs> like, uh yeah so i think this is the first time it's explicit that they're romantically involved i mean you can pick it up earlier in that but right they right. have kind of a relationship before that yeah, um, yeah. but it, you know rose continues to be the worst and brings out the worst in 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 Raiden. yeah like, he's obnoxious talking about this too it's like well <laughs> there's still bombs to defuse baby like <laughs> yeah. i'll be back tgyl uh, bombs <laughs> you know? brb BRB bombs. B- B- BRB, there's BYOBBs. <laughs> B- B- BRB, C4, OMG. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you continue getting these bombs, and we're not going to talk about the specific places they're all hidden. Yeah, no. uh, you know, but they're they're clever. Um, yeah. You know, they start off very easily. That you know, the one that's in the the women's room, which you mentioned, you can see it in the mirror. Yep. Which is a little show offy, but still really cool. Yeah. Um, there's some of them that are a little bit lamer, like where you just have to, like the one in the room full of pipes is annoying to me mm-hmm. uh, just because you can see it and it's doing, it's dealing with the crouching and crawling speeds yeah. of this game. But uh, it's pretty clever and pretty fun. And sometimes they're mixed up in areas where there are enemies as well. So it ends up, uh, you know, yeah, take care of that first and it kind of works. Yeah. Uh, when you get to the next, the last one, uh, Pliskin radios um, and says like, hey, I've been over on the main or on the other strut on the other core um saying oh yeah the real explosives i was poking around around the core uh they're actually packed around the base of the uh of the cores of both shells and so (laughs) this is a problem because those are uh actually much better placed to take this place down and so stillman decides to uh leave his uh pantry where he's been hiding uh you know he has hidden behind this couch uh to go after them uh, because at this point he says, oh, I've been lying about having lost my leg. I've been faking, <laughs> I've been faking this limp, uh, in order to get sympathy after I fucked up and killed a bunch of people accidentally on a bad job. I, I find, I find this real bonkers. Yeah. Like, is that like, how would you, how would you maintain that illusion for these <laughs> things? Like, like, like you go to a doctor and you, you I don't know, like there, there'd be people involved. Like it is a silly, silly character. Like. Desperate attempt to add pathos to a character right before he dies. Right, right. You know, this is this is silly. Like, there's certain like elements of MGS kind of storytelling of like characters telling their tragic backstories before and after they die mm-hmm. that I get the affection for and sometimes can be very effective, right? Like yeah, yeah. We talked about it in MGS one, like, you know, Sniper Wolf. Like that's pretty good. Yeah, Psychomantis. You know, that, it works really yeah, well. Psychoman- Psychomantis is great. Like in the way that articulates. And sometimes it is extremely bad. Yeah. And like this is uh you know, this is not extremely bad. Fat Man, I think, is extremely bad. Yeah. Um, and this this game does not do those those scenes very well, I don't no, think. No, no. You know, like compare with like they're best when they interact with gameplay mm-hmm. like uh, the Sorrow or Psychomantis mm-hmm. um, or the end. Yeah. You know, like those boss fights really, really work on all levels. Yeah. And uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 makes uh, makes an art of doing this poorly. Mm, yeah i will i mean i've seen the rogues gallery from that like and it's, it's <laughs> those, very, those boss very fights very are fun like those boss fights are really good everything around them is not yeah 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 I, I i definitely believe it it's like when a dog pees on the uh on the grass and there's this corona of really healthy grass that got the right <laughs> amount of pee right. and then there's the one section that got over nitrated and like <laughs> dies you know um what so if- anyway so that's that's stillman you know and he has this uh this character thing mm-hmm. um He's been faking uh, not having a leg. Yeah. Um, so he's like, I can go off and do it. Yeah. Um, he has another center, as we mentioned, um, that just works on sound, but can just, you know, do the bomb that doesn't have the cologne. Right, right. Um, so you go get that, and uh, you have to head to uh, uh, Pliskin, 
heads to do the last bomb on his strut mm-hmm. that he's on. Um, and you have to head uh, over to yours. Um, but after Pliskin disarms the last bomb, that was actually the trigger for the big bomb to right. go off. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, Batman anticipated Stillman's tactic because not only uh, is the timer set, of uh, Stillman moves away and has a proximity sensor, uh, it'll blow. So he is trapped. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, and so you have to go back to where the plant chapter started um, and, you know, freeze the bomb that is underneath the uh, submersible, you know, in the in the filtration room. Uh, but, yes, the you know, the second shell uh, is, you know, the core of it is mostly destroyed. Uh, we're going to go back there later on um, and see that it is underwater. Um, but the C4 is mostly taken care of, uh, except for the person who said it. Yes. Um, and th- this whole section, like lots of backtracking yeah, to get yeah. back here. Uh, like it's, it's kind t- of a bummer. Timed backtracking too. You know, you have to go back yeah. in about five minutes. Yeah. Kind of, kind of a bummer. I think, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you know, you go back to this area, there's something about uh, microwaves as well. And like proximity yeah, yeah. to this too. Like it, it's a little bit fussy. I didn't have a real problem with it, but like, it makes it sound like it's going to be more difficult than it is. Yeah. I think once you get there, right. um, you, uh, as you're leaving, uh, fortune shows up. And uh, she thinks you're your snake. She says, mm-hmm. uh, "Show yourself and finish me like you finished off my father." It's like, well, that's that's very adult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> varsity situations. Yeah, that is a varsity situation. I'm not sure I can I can handle that. Um, and this is like portrayed as kind of a boss fight. You know, that's the thing about Fortune is she's the most interesting idea, but she's not cool mechanically. Right. You know, like. Um, yeah. So this um, is just a survive for a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, and I was really bummed out because in the preview coverage of this, uh, a it was snake fighting her, uh, but also like it was actually presented as more of a more of an encounter. Like she was um, firing and actually destroying the the environment around you, getting rid of the cover uh, that you yeah. needed. That still happens a little bit here, but um, it is mostly permanent cover, and you are just you know <laughs> running back and forth. <laughs> yeah, the the entire trick is to not fight and wait yeah. and, and wait for the elevator to come down pretty bland and you don't even have to get past her to get to the elevator it's just once the, once you have a way to leave yeah like yeah she leaves <laughs> you know it's it's very silly right i think um as you get up there uh campbell calls uh says fat man has set us up the bomb on the helipad and he's asked for you specifically and again right. time backtracking this is where they throw those mines in out of nowhere that is such a fuck you oh my gosh. like it's not that they it's not that logistically they couldn't happen like fortune could have set them on our way out mm-hmm. like anyone could have done it yeah it's just like i have no reason to have the fucking mine detector out guys uh-huh. and you don't lose that much time like at checkpoints right before this right you know it's just like a dumb it's bad design yeah and, and mines don't kill you you know outright uh right. they knock you right. over it's just a, like oh well all of a sudden the pace of this of this area has changed in a way yeah. that I could not have foreseen. I, I actually did die because I got tagged by fortune and oh, my plan shit, was yeah. to, to heal up right before the, the boss fight. Mm, okay. So, yeah. and the, the, that real gun doesn't fuck around. Like it no, does a lot of damage. No. It's really, it's um, really serious business. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the reason why I got tagged is because in my mind, in this weird way that you will kind of round up things in your memory, in my mind, I was thinking of the fortune fight as being more interactive than it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, do I, I can't, I couldn't remember. Do I have to do something? And I was trying to like shoot things behind her and I got in first person mode and got tagged. Yeah. But I thought that there was maybe something I needed to do as opposed to just like literally run back and forth. Yeah. Do I have to like shoot a pipe of coolant and she will freeze totally. into a block of ice? <laughs> yeah. He's like going to dead space her, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, did not turn out to be the, the, the case. Yeah. Um, um, 
so this fight ends with Vamp appearing and saying, hey, Fat Man has gone rogue. Uh, he has betrayed our ideals. Um, and he uses this moment of distraction to take his shot. Um, but Fortune's deflection kind of arcs it around and then directly into his head and his gut. So he fires twice and both of them hit. Um, and like Fortune loses it. Like, oh, I should have died, not you. Her whole her whole, her whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Vamp wakes up and has this terrible line. My love, I'm not actually dead. <laughs> I died I, once and I cannot die twice. <laughs> yep. Hell had yeah. no room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, Vamp. Um, Vamp. Vamp is real peak bad naming, too. Yeah. Like, it just sounds, every time I say, like, no, nothing cool, you know, it doesn't sound cool. Yeah. Vamp. It'd be a lot better if he didn't reappear in four. Like, if he was not meant to have this really huge footprint in the series. Like, yeah you know um yeah I, I it makes me wonder why like I, I wonder you know what it was about this that made him appeal to kojima to like make him want to make him a load-bearing character right um so you know yeah wakes up you make your way through again more backtracking <laughs> there are more mines to get to the heliport and we're introduced to our to fat man uh here yeah. who is like a big fat guy in a bomb blast suit Mm-hmm. Who looks like um, Darth Vader without his mask on? Yeah, <laughs> like real yeah. like corpsely looking, like real gross. Yeah, he has real, real, real veiny bald head. Yeah, um, pretty, pretty nasty. You can't like get late, a... late period Frank Black. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you can't get a good get get a good look at his face um, because he's got this just extra, extravagant collar that goes up all the way around him. Uh, he's on rollerblades, uh, which again can't be. That's that... that's fine. That, that I mean, that's one of the weirdest choices with this. Like yeah. it's just it's so silly and like. This would work in like Let It Die, you know. Like this is like <laughs> yeah. a Let It Die character who showed up here. It doesn't even feel like Kojima weird to me. Yeah, it's pseudo weird. Yeah, yeah. and then again, what's supposed to be? Um, uh, the but, uh, but, but, but he but he rolls up and you know because of his collar, he is drinking a a glass of wine with a bendy straw. Yeah, which is a nice touch. <laughs> um, and just and tells you you know pontificates about his backstory. That's what these characters do. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out a lot of this stuff before. If we talked to Stillman, right. Right. Um, he, you know, his parents kind of abandoned him, but he spent all his time in his father's watch shop, mm-hmm. um, you know, growing up around clocks. And that's why he thinks the bombs are holy um, because they, uh, uh, you know, they're aware of their own demise and they know every second of time. Yeah. Here's yeah. the, here's the way to write a metal gear solid villain every single time. <laughs> Take something ostensibly bad and then have the villain say, it's actually very good. <laughs> And that's literally all there is to it. <laughs> like revolvers. You think I bad. love how evil, you know, I love the, the, the fetishization of the details of this. Yeah. And what, that's literally every single Metal Gear villain. What if everything bad is good? You idiot, you piece of shit. Yeah. That, that's, that's like, that's exclusively what they do. It's always something like that. Like, you know, and like bomb, nobody's making an actual argument that bombs are good. No, but no. it's just, it's, it's just this shortcut to writing villains that, that he yeah. has, that I think is really pretty lame. And like, like, like there, there's, there, there's a, there's like a little bit of, um, you know, texture brought to that with Stillman's dialogue. Like, Oh, the act of disarming a bomb is confronting your own mortality. Yeah, you know, it's not fetishizing the actual thing. It's talking about what a difficult job this is and how it how it tests your character. Like that is the mirror that is held up to Fat Man's like grandiose psychosis. You know, yeah. but like it's still absolutely the shortcut that Kojima takes. Well, one of them is a reasonable thing. The other one is just an inversion of it, right? And that's the shortcut. It's just the like I'm going to treat the negative side of this with the same kind of reverence and fetishization, <laughs> right? that you would, you know, a positive exclusion. And that tends to be the character trait. Right. Like they're, they're very formulaic, I think, uh, in general, like the villains. And sometimes they can be very good and sometimes they can be very good fights. 
Um, but uh, there's a there's a real formula going on here. Um, the fight itself, um, I think, is fine. Yeah. Like it, I don't, I don't know, I don't think this is particularly good, um, but it's not too bad. Right. Um, I, I like how it makes you rub your belly and pat your head at the same time. Yeah. You know. Um, so the way this articulates, you know, Fat Man is going around and setting setting bombs um, in kind of these predetermined places, and he will ride around and take pot shots at you with his SMGs. Um, as you go and hunt these down and as the fight goes on, he hides them in kind of less convenient places. Yes. So there's, oh, there'll be this little tick, you know, taking time things. So you have to kind of balance your time between disarming bombs and doing damage to, to fat man. Right. And shooting fat man when he's, when he's around because of his suit doesn't do very much damage to him. You gotta knock him down so you can shoot him in the head, much like the adjudicator. Right. Um, the, uh, and it's, and it's fine. Like again, it's it's nothing. I don't think it's it's particularly special or imaginative. Yeah, you know, like I don't really know what this is, like teaching me or what the you know the the central concept's not super strong. Yeah, um, but it's fine. Like like weirdly, I think the biggest purpose that this serves in the overall arc of the game is that the arena kind of quotes the fight against Vulcan Raven. I think so too. Even if the fight doesn't, right? You know, in a in a and that that we talked about how great that fight is. Yeah, that is like a proto Mister Freeze. Arkham City fight. Like that's a very good fight. Yeah. Um, this uh this is not you sir or no Vulcan Raven. <laughs> um there's a little trick you can do if you uh if you decide to punch him and knock him down, he will only start setting one bomb instead of three. Hmm. Um so you can uh that's a little exploit you can do. Yeah. Uh if you if you knock him down with your fists. And uh but yeah, that's uh you just kinda of do the repeat until dead. Mm-hmm. Um and that's you. Um after you uh after you kill him um he says like you know uh, i've started a timer on the biggest bomb in this entire place uh and says his famous catchphrase laugh and grow fat <laughs> okay okay gotcha <laughs> um so like yeah. oh i'm gonna be a legend it's too bad you're not gonna be around to see you know to see the movies again playing yes. into this idea you know of being famous for these terrible acts you know? yeah and that's and that's why he's here i mean the, we get into this later but that's the reason why he even agreed to do any of this stuff was mm-hmm. to take down stillman because Stillman is like the guy. Yeah. You know, they, they do a good job of emphasizing that. Like in any bomb book, mm-hmm. Stillman's right there on the cover with a smile and a limp. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. And this is kind of a cool little puzzle. Yeah. Because you had to find this. You just have this thing, this uh, countdown, um, and you had to find the last bomb that's uh, where it's hidden. Yeah. And uh, it's under him. Yep. <laughs> so you have to you know pick him up and drag him off uh, once you realize that. Uh, so I didn't remember this for when I played before. I didn't mm. fail, but like I just kind of went went through and did a cursory cursory glance. Realized that I had a uh, realized that I had a detector. The cloud was gigantic around this, yeah. and, and then I was like, "Well, let me just move him around." Like, oh, that's so good. Like that plays yeah. around with the ability to drag corpses. <laughs> well, yeah, it plays around with that, and also he's like, "I will become a bomb." Yeah, you know, at the end, like it's pretty good. Like the ending of this fight uh, is one of the stronger parts of it. Yeah, you know, um, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. But um, um, you spray it like you always do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it for him. That's it for Fat Man. Yeah. Um, and that gets us kind of to the end of this uh, of the, of this episode. You, you radio in and say, hey, Fat Man didn't know about the ransom demands. You know, when I asked him if this was about the money, you know, he kind of dismissed that. And Colonel uh, doesn't quite know how to address this, doesn't really answer it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's very obvious that, you know, things are being held from you. Yeah. 
Um, this is also where Pliskin says he doesn't know about the the environmental thing, the the environmental disaster, like oh. shells toxins. But he does say that there are still hostages. Right. Like we have to go rescue. Yeah. Um. We also have this whole bit about there not being lifeboats. Yep. Which is um, weird on a facility that is ostensibly meant for environmental. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like everything is adding up to be something yeah. fishy. I think there might be a line about uh, the terrorists taking them out, but. I don't, I don't think there is. Oh. Like, I played that uh, last night, like, not mm. too recently. They say that, you know, there's, like, helicopters would be the only way to get off this. Yeah. And I don't think it, it was the terrorists took out the lifeboat, lifeboats. Hmm. Um, the, uh, I mean, I could be wrong about that, too, but it's it's fairly fresh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's all we're going to do for this this episode. Um, you know, the long episode. Next one will be a, a long go as well. Yeah. Um, I'm very glad we didn't do this as one seven-hour episode. <sighs> oh, my God. That would be very <laughs> yeah, bad. Like, yeah. The better part of a day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So not every executive produced episode is going to be two like this. Uh, we made an exception just because of the uh, we knew uh, from recording the Metal Gear Solid one episode how these games kind of unpack, even though it is manageable to play. You know, it falls mm-hmm. under that kind of like 15 hour cutoff that we sometimes have, um, or at least that I uh, use to gauge <laughs> uh, what will fit in one episode. Uh, but it is so rich and so dense. And there were so many generalities to cover. Um, that we decided to, uh, to, you know, to break it apart for our own convenience and to make a better episode. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, that will not happen every time. I'm going to go ahead and say that like this, you know, is not only not every time it's almost never going to happen. Right. Like I, I don't, uh, I don't want to do two parters usually for those. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is the exception, right. uh, not, you know, very much the exception. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, so we, you know, very, you know, thank you. Uh, you know, Thank you very much for for suggesting this, Zach. Yes. Um, Zachary, we really do appreciate it. Um, looking forward to getting to the next episode where, like, I think starts out on a real bad foot. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not into the big shell, and we spend a lot more time on the big shell, like backtracking and stuff, and yeah, yeah. EE and, and things like that. But it's, I think it's going to be worth it for the fireworks factor at the end. Yes, um, which will be fun to talk about and fun to play. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, if you uh, have anything to say about Metal Gear Solid Two, I don't think it's actually too late point you're hearing this i believe it is not too late let me take a look at the calendar and make sure because i've been wrong in the past um so this is coming out yeah you've got like a day or two yeah so if you're hearing this you have something to say about mgs2 definitely do it quick yes you know um then that's a duckfeed.tv slash contact um if you have something to say about any of our future games which we'll talk about in a second you have a little bit more time but get you know sooner or later yes um and those games are final fantasy 4 Final Fantasy IV, The After Years, mm-hmm. Batman for the NES, and that's it, because yeah. <laughs> we're not sure exactly what other thing we're doing for Bat Month, yeah. which is September, my birth month, because I am Batman. <laughs> yeah. Shh, it's a secret. Shh. Don't tell the children. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think that the uh, the poll will still be running about the time this comes out. Um, but yeah, uh, September is bad month. Uh, we know what October is and we're very excited about it, but that's pretty far to announce it in advance. Uh, we're yeah. trying to get the rhythm down for this whole WAF 2.0 thing. Yes. Um, so, uh, the way that you can help determine which Batman game we're doing along with the NES Batman is, uh, becoming one of our patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash duck feed TV, uh, you can vote in our poll as to which of the more modern, uh, rock steady Batman games we're going to do either, uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham city or Arkham origins. And, uh, yeah, lend us your vote. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. And we'll be covering that in two parts mm-hmm. uh, in September. Yeah. Um, that Patreon is a fun playground. It is the tanker level <laughs> of duck feed. Yeah. Like it is a fun playground where you can do lots of fun stuff. Yeah. It gets you access to additional content. Um, it gets you, uh, uh, let me, let, let me see here, uh, input into the show. Like the, like this, like we're doing metal gear solid too, because you know, one of our, uh, you know, because of a higher tier that we have. Yes. Yeah. And you can, you can sign up for that. Um, at the time this comes out, we've already launched, uh, the kind of new goals. You can uh, pick an episode, you can guest on an episode. Um, that is true for this show and abject suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even at the highest level, you can actually choose a theme for a month. Um, that will be a discussion as we mentioned, but that would be really cool. You could say like, Hey, how about this developer? Yeah. Like, why haven't you guys done treasure month? Why haven't we done treasure month? <laughs> January could be treasure month guys. Yeah. Like it's, it's up to you. Like the, the power is literally yours. Um, so the, uh, you know, Heather, and then the other thing you can do is you're supporting your boys, um, which is a really nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we record a, uh, a lot. We put a lot of time and effort into planning these things and playing them and taking notes and research and stuff like that. And, uh, it's very nice to see that it's appreciated. Yes. Um, you know, and that by people choosing to kind of support us. Yeah. Um, it is the only way that we are able to do as much of this as we do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that's not a ransom. You know, but it, it is, uh, you know, the reality is if we didn't have your support, we would have to scale back. Yes. And we don't want to because no. we like uh, like this stuff. Um, also, ratings, reviews and everything are very useful. You guys have done a bunch of uh, very nice reviews recently. Yeah. And that remains useful. Yeah. And I think that's about everything. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thank, thank you guys very much. Um, special thanks to Zach. Yeah. Zachary. Um, I don't know if you go by Zachary or Zach, so I apologize if it's uh, I've, I've said both. Uh, yeah. I've gone back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like the Kojima 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 thing. Kojima, um, Koji. I call him Koji. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's something that only Mads Mikkelsen can do. The um, <laughs> until next time, what should they uh, watch out for? Cole? Pressure on their torso. <laughs> Umbasa. Umbasa. Just real quick too, and you can put in a note here. Uh-huh. Uh, I laughed and I farted at the same time. That didn't get it. Did it get picked up on the mic? <laughs> no, if it didn't. If it didn't, you can keep this discussion in. Yeah. If it did, please cut it out. Okay. Like bleep it, because that's embarrassing. It'll uh, be. I'll go back and listen to it. It'll be Schrodinger's fart. Okay. Yeah. Please <laughs> just give it a give it a quick listen, and let me uh, let me know if any fart dot waves slipped in because. <laughs> <laughs> need that not to fart.ogg fart. Um, yeah yeah <laughs> need that og bad boy not to <laughs> not to get in there um yeah that's gross but hey i'm in the privacy of my own home and sometimes yeah. a man also do fart yeah um on the battlefield <laughs> um strong yeah. men also fart yeah yes um <laughs> so let's just take that in clean in case i do need to make an edit yeah. okay yeah uh